Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble podcast. This week we talk the ins and outs of the off-season, Mariners pre-season at FFA Cup games, and we take a look at the season to come. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined by Josh, Morrow and Pete. How are you guys? Good evening. We're back. Woohoo! Excited to be here. Here we are. Mate, I am super excited for my first day. You're a podcast virgin, aren't you? Uh, a Coast Football Ramble podcast version, that's for sure. Yeah, but it's um, great oh, to Oh, that's be right. We, you interviewed Craig Foster. I did interview Craig Foster some years ago Yellow for Army the podcast. OG Yellow Army podcast, but it is fantastic to be uh, sitting in a room with you fine gents. And Luke is in the States, and uh, he's having issues with airlines and not liking Disneyland, apparently, if only he'd spoken to a travel agent before heading over. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Fred's question, with the 1920 draw out and with bye weeks being introduced for this season, do you think it would play into a team's favour or disadvantage for the season? I'm, just strictly speaking as a rule, not a fan of bye rounds in, in football anyway. Mm. Um, having having an uneven, uneven number of teams in a competition uh, just doesn't doesn't feel right having having a week off for no no apparent reason for me like I've, it it has the potential to ruin teams momentum like you could be on like a win two or two or three in a row and then you have the bye week and you like energy might go down a bit because you've had the bye, you have the bye week you don't play and then the next game you might come out you know with not as much energy and you might have a negative result so i'm with pete I've, i don't really like bye rounds in football i'd rather just have the way it was, really, where we play. Yeah, I'm obviously not a fan of the buys, but it is a necessary evil for this year. Yeah. The thing that is unfair is the amount of times that we play certain teams. So I. You play some teams who, yeah. two times, other teams three times. Three times. Is it a necessary evil, or is it just that we ha- we probably what we should be doing is calling the Wanderers to ask them if they think it's good to have a buy, <laughs> because it was them after all who in- yeah. you know enforced the the need to have a buy, wasn't it? Well, the FFA has brought this upon us. Right. So, you know, it, while they're governing... By kowtowing to the yes, wanderers. Yes, it's necessary. Hmm. I mean, we saw how frustrating it was in the State League, for example, with Central Coast United in the weeks just gone, where the last round of the season was their designated buy round. Whereas, if it wasn't, they could have celebrated the Premiership. But they had to wait for other results to come in before they knew if they were going to be Crown Premiers. And now, leading into the semi-finals, they're going to have at least two weeks off before yeah. they actually play another game. The One way around it would be to have games on a Thursday and then a Monday, and you have one team would play two games, basically over the space of a weekend. That's pretty much one of the only ways around it. I mean, it addresses that, that momentum piece, I guess, as well. How about we just have 12 teams? Yeah. Just a thought. Well, yeah. Well, well we're good to go for that for next season, but, you know... Yeah, we're as as we discussed with Sean later on... Um, it, the two teams that were selected were on monetary value, unfortunately, not readiness to compete in the league. So now we're stuck with MacArthur not being ready till next year. But MacArthur wanted in, let's face facts. They wanted in, did they not? On the balance yeah. of things, I think MacArthur were more ready than Western United. They've yes. got a stadium ready to go, whereas Western... It was Wanderers who were not ready. That's right. Let's hope the socials for What are you looking at me for? Like, you're looking at me like you're, sorted out. You're gra- my grandfather, like you're just trying to teach me a lesson. <laughs> Well, I'm probably he's going to get he's going to get the wooden spoon. Is your like. grandfather older? Got one. Yeah. Understand, Is young your grandfather man? older or younger than me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any left, actually. No, I'm looking down my nose at the Wanderers. That's what I'm doing. Okay. I've started early. With well, my don't look at me now. like that. I'm not the no. Wanderers. No. I'll look at Peter. 
Hey, 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 keep me out of this. Josh? <laughs> okay, nobody. Stop staring at me, you weird old so, guy. Quickly, move on. <laughs> All right, pre-season. Uh, Mariners 4, Manly United 1. This was a, a game of, uh, what, thirds, 30-minute thirds, wasn't it? And Manly went ahead to start with. We thought, oh, dear, what's going on here? And we sort of come back. The second third was good. Quite um, good. Third third is... I don't know, it felt like a waste of time, really. People left early. Yes. Yeah, they, they all did after the second third, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. Um, Charlestown City Blues, soon to be Charlestown Azuri again. Nil, Central Coast Mariners 5. So Mariners um, hero, Jai Ingham, who's now left with two He was goals. a superstar <laughs> in pre-season, <laughs> well, was, wasn't he? Yeah. Charlestown were actually two points behind Maitland before we played him in the Northern MPL. So that was a good precursor to come for the Maitland game. Western Bears FC, zero. Central Coast Mariners, four. Um, I didn't get to watch it, so... Uh, I think the best thing that came out of that was um, seeing Kim for the first time and him showing some very good signs early on. Oh, he was good against uh, Manly as well. That's right, yeah. He had had some game time before that. One of the real positives uh, from that game for myself, uh, or a couple of them really, were Sam Silvera. Um, he looks like a talent to watch this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, very promising in the FFA Cup game. Isn't I it? thought he was our best electric. outlet, and um, and Jordan Murray as well, um, coming on at half time and bagging a brace, two goals in the space of three minutes. Um, both very very well taken as well. So looking forward to seeing what he can deliver. Number this nine year. finishes, you love to see it from your number nine. Yeah, well that's right. The first goal, he's he's taken a touch and taken his time, steadied himself and placed his shot, and the second um, was a uh, wonderful curling effort Beautiful. to the bottom right corner from the edge of the area. You really want to Feed see the him. Mars. You really want to see him, you know, step up that next um, level um, after he's, you know, he's had his first year in a professional system, and he will have, you know, learned a lot about that and uh, will have improved a lot. So hopefully, this is his big year. Yeah, I think we'll see him go up a gear this year, definitely. And and speaking to Ziggy during that game as well, Ziggy's mentioned that Mars is really eager to learn. Um, he really wants to take things on and take advice on board and everything like that. So, like I said, I think we'll see um, uh, not a new player, but uh, a, a new and improved Muzz. Probably get plenty of opportunities once we move Simon into the back four too. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there is a Jets game coming up, but uh, that is in doubt considering we've got them quite early on in the season. Yeah, that's right. It's um, a derby pre-season. Yeah, a bit we've, weird. We've heard the coaching staff um, uh, potentially maybe looking to, to move that one or we'll see what happens. Scared, aren't they? Aren't they scared? The Jets are, yeah. Surely. We, you will get to that later. Maitland, uh, nil. CCM, two. Michael McGlinchey, cup hero. What a guy. He's going to sue in a minute. We took the lead in this and then we kind of just Well, we were 2-0 up in, what, 10 minutes? 15 minutes? 15 and minutes and then yeah, just we sort of coasted through the rest of the game, which was... Well, we had injuries yeah. and we had... I don't know, personnel changes, but I don't know, we just held on to it. Galafuoco and Tongyuk both going down injured, which wasn't very good to see. Yeah, if that was an A-League club, we would have got done 3-2 there. Um, mm. Because it was Maitland and the Farmers or something like that, or Meth Heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we saw Trotty, Trotty and Goals. <coughs> walking to the, I don't know if I told you guys, guys or not, walking to the, the ground... <laughs> We were walking down the street. Oh, you were there, weren't you, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the uh, guy with the flick knife. There was a guy <laughs> playing with his flick knife. Oh, yeah. At the front of his house. Just 
eyeing us off. <laughs> it's something like a scene from Deliverance as another guy yes. yeah, playing the banjo, chewing on a bit of hay. and Yeah, yeah it's yep. very similar. Mm. Yep. There were positives in the game. Back to the game. Sorry. There were positives in the game. So Vera doing They exactly ran out of chips. Well, they ran out of chips. That was bad. Hey, the, they had real beer and the beer was cheap. I enjoyed yes. that. Oh, that and good. I don't even yeah. really drink. So, anyway, yeah, sorry, good. go on. Sounds but yeah, good. I, I did enjoy um, Silvera again being an excitement machine, so hopefully he can uh, take that form into the season. He was our best outlet in attack, I thought, on the right. Probably, like, in yeah. the first half, for sure. Yeah. He was, he Other was than McGlinchey, who well. somehow magically appeared in the right places. Um, Careful what you say. It was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's already done. You, um, th- It was exciting to see uh, Matt Simon going to the back four. Is that what the word is? Exciting? Anyway, uh, it was definitely something I never thought I'd see. It's different, unusual. Yes. Yep. I think I've seen it in park football a bit, but not so much in at uh, FFA Cup level. But anyway, hopefully we can find another central defender before uh, the next FFA Cup game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do there. Awkward silence. Anyway, uh, <laughs> move on, because we know something. <laughs> Round of 16, Raw versus CCM coming up on 28th of August up at Redcliffe, Queensland. So that's next week. That's come around quite quickly. That has come around extraordinarily that's quickly. That's my son's birthday. Oh, so you'll be taking him up for his first birthday trip as a birthday uh, present? No, I'll probably just go to trivia. <laughs> <laughs> at least take him with you. Yeah, yeah. He's been there since he was... Four five weeks or something. Be going every week. Anyway, other Mariners news and discussion points. The FFA Cup kits for said match um, are going to pay homage to Central Coast Coasties. Um, starting this Friday, uh, the Mariners are going to be releasing videos, player interviews from the Coasties days, and I'm looking forward to those. Um, I grew up watching the Coasties, and it's good to see them um, get some... Recreate their links to to grassroots um, and and to the, I guess, origins of football on the Central Coast and really try and look to re-embed those ties, I guess. Thank you for saving me there. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) Well played, sir. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Uh, The new social room at the Centre of Excellence now has a pool table. I think there was a few things, a few more things in there as well. Yeah, from what I hear. Yeah, smoking lounge and uh, a bar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure a few players back in the day would have liked that. Oh, Tommy P. (laughs) Yeah, exactly who I was talking about. Interesting approaches by different coaches. You get some culture in by getting a pool table and um, an area where the the players can convene if you're uh, static, if you're uh, Mulvey. Well, it used to be something that happened under Arnie, wasn't it? All the players would... Go out for breakfast and, you know, be together. And I guess that, that builds, you know, the team culture. So it works. And hopefully, well, hopefully it works. Play FIFAers themselves. Yeah, play themselves. Right. Um, CCM and CCF partner up for the finals. I can't read that. I can't be bothered. It's long, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, is that From a, the under-11s to over-45s, <laughs> players participating in finals football on the coast will earn rewards courtesy of the Central Coast Football and the Central Coast Mariners. The Central Coast... <laughs> uh, I nodded off there momentarily. Every player who participates in the Mariners' final series will receive a free ticket to the club's first home game of the season of the Central Coast Stadium against the Newcastle Jets. Every player in the under-11s uh, who wins a grand final will receive a My Club membership. That's pretty cool. You get a free membership for the Mariners. 
Every player from under 12s and above who wins a grand final will receive a three-game membership that can be used at any three Central Coast Mariners home games at Central Coast Stadium during the season. And every player over the age 18 who wins a grand final um, receives a post-game celebratory beer courtesy of the Mariners. They oh. really know how to motivate me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to aim higher, Pete. I've got to go for the GFAR. Yes. This is good. Love it. Oh, yeah, fantastic! Like yeah. I just said, yeah. like I was saying before, you know, yeah. looking to re- reconnect with yeah. with grassroots and, and the association clubs on the coast. Fantastic! There is no lower hanging fruit than you know the local association, and having the best connection we can possibly have with them is absolute at all times. I don't think it's been great over the years at times, and it's good to see we're at least making the effort. Mm. Right, uh, player departures, pain, sad, loved him. Yeah, good. Um, had a good season last year, and is a good bloke as well. Yeah. Um, always gave his all, so that that was the main main thing that I liked about him. Yeah, yeah he he always put in. He, he was a player that stood out compared to the rest. We depended majority on him. of the West. We depended on him a bit more heavily than I think um, he could perhaps carry in the, in our team at times. But yeah. Um, but yeah, good guy and and gave everything he had anyway. So yeah, look, best, I, I, best I genuine, yeah, genuinely wish wish him all the best. Um, obviously not against us, but you know he he was one that you could always see was genuinely hurting. Um, when things weren't going right. So, yeah, no, good luck to him. Asperopotamidis. Jonathan Asperopotamidis. We signed him on the condition that um, we would help him get rehabbed. Uh, he did that and he had a clause in his contract saying he could leave if uh, if he wanted to. So he took that and he's gone. So, But um, I think he was, he, he was a good reader of the ball um, and I think we did miss him. When he didn't play, I am. He's another one. I'm. I'm. I'm quite sad to see has moved on. Um, he looked like he had, as you say, Jimmy was a good reader of the ball. Was good on the ball as well. Could pick a pass quite well. Um, and I think that he, without going too far, maybe could have had the potential to to go even further in his career, um, and may have been a, a long shot uh, for the Socceroos at some stage. Um, he may struggle for game time down at Western United now. Um, they've made some decent signings across the back four, so he may struggle to break through there. Um, and it may have served him better to, to look at staying here. But um, again, good luck to him. Classic. Always sad. Him. Always sad to see a local go. Yeah. I think I think we all thought he was going to be you know a potential starting centre back for the A League side. So uh, good luck to him. I think he's taken a really good deal over in Hong Kong, and you know. Good luck to him. Gamero. Was he playing for us? He never played. I don't think he, he didn't play one second for the club. Who so. was that? Mm. I don't think he's played a second for his current club, has he? Who's that? Mounties, was it? Did he go oh, to Oh, no, he went to St. George. St. George, 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 George yes. Uh, he was on the veranda the day they came up here recently, wasn't he? Uh, Gauchi. Never saw him. Hiadie. Boo. No, yeah, that was that was tough to see, but miss you already, Tommy. We we, we miss Tommy, but I think uh, hopefully Jurich and Kim will uh, be able to fill the void, which I'm sure they will be able to. Especially Kim, who we saw against Western, who played really well. Step above, uh, Kekaris. Love the way Olympic. he plays the game. Love the way he plays the game. You know, running at defenders and so forth. But he, to me, he just didn't do that once he made the A League team. He did in the youth, and he looked good just before he got the A League contract, and then never really converted that. Couldn't make a step up. I think the one time we got him on the pitch was against Newcastle, and the first run he had with the ball, he ran away from his defender across the pitch, and that isn't his game. And I thought, yeah, no, not ready. 
Yeah, it's a huge step up from where he was playing in MPL 2 to, to try and jump straight into the A-League side. We'll see if he can get the job done in, in MPL 1. He may get another shot. We'll see. Uh, O'Neill to Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never be forgotten for that moment. Reference to the interview we did last year. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a loss, but I think we've we've pretty much covered the DM's position now. For some reason, for the last couple of years, we've always had the DM position pretty much covered. So it was a bit of a loss, but, you know, I guess good luck to him in Brisbane and um, good luck for him trying to uh, explain it to Gibbo when he sees him next. Hometown. Can't blame a kid going back to his hometown, yeah. can you? Graham. You guys loved him. Um, can I be frank? I can't because I'm Pete. Yeah, I was about uh, to say that. <laughs> Sorry. One of the worst footballers I've seen pull on a Central Coast Mariners jersey. I will say that in all honesty. Would I don't you think you'll get many arguments from I people. don't know if he'd make the worst 11, but he'd certainly be on the bench. I said one of the worst, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely... He's def- oh, I can't talk about him. I'll get irrationally angry. <laughs> A lot of long ball. He's, 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 he's stolen. He's stolen a spot from someone that could have stepped up from the youth side or another young Aussie coming through anywhere else. Mm. <laughs> Just he was not very good, and uh, he won't miss him. I know that he has moved away from. He's now at Notts County. That's right. Yes, playing in the uh, in the conference. Classic deserved to have that chance to play, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, I was alluding to that. Yeah. yeah um, cool. Yep. But uh, just that was a really bewildering and frustrating signing. Mallon. Conversely to Graham, I think he potentially had something to offer, but I don't think he, he was, was okay. ever here for the long haul. No. He he had the technical ability, and I think he put in like Connor Payne did. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was more of a short-term game. For, for me, for it sort of felt like, one of the youth guys, you know, in the MPL two trying to make that step up. I think he wasn't quite ready for it, but he he played okay. He wasn't he wasn't horrible, but it, he wasn't you know elite either. I, th- I think he I think he could hold his own in the A League. Yeah, I remember yeah, I think he did pretty him well against quite a few defenders. He would beat them or you know match them. And he had the right style easily. about him. He wanted to go out defended he, he, yeah. defenders. If you're going to play yeah. on the wing like that and that's your style, then and it was for him and it is for other players to run at defenders, then he, he at least did that. Also had a really good cross. Yeah. Um, mm. Scored a decent free kick for us, if I remember rightly. Um, and, you know, generally displayed the right attitude. Certainly much more successful than Graham. Yes. Who might have been our worst, but was probably the youngest ever central defender that we put on the pitch. I have to check that with Bugard in season one. Did he ever actually get on the pitch in an A-League game as a central defender? Possibly. Have to check Tough that. position to play. Yeah. Yeah, well, Sainsbury did it. He was quite young, but he mm. was next to Swansvike, so he had someone telling him where to stand. Uh, Karajan. That's a loss. Yeah. Could be a big loss. If he'd improved a bit this year and you would have thought maybe second year round he could have, then... Uh, so what was the story is that we, I guess we didn't offer him enough money to stay and he thought, no, I'll try my, try my luck somewhere uh, else. I've heard a story, but I'm not going to say it here. Yeah, fair enough. So so he just decided to move on, which is fair enough. Yeah, there was some sort of dealing going on, but yeah, it just all fell through. Uh, Miller. Snake. Best thing we had last year. Uh, Email gate. <coughs> 
shows the example of what I think um, Jordan Murray can do in second year in a professional system, having had a bit of experience. So let's hope he can step it up like that because Miller, first time around, was nobody. and uh, Didn't bother defending the... No, yeah. and uh, while he was, it, it, I don't know whether or not um, Mike Mulvey played him in positions that suited because he, he really wasn't a defender and in some of his most notable performances, like against the Jets when he was responsible for a couple of our goals, he was also responsible for a couple of their goals and that, that um, you know, even things out a bit. But, um, yeah, disappointing to see McDonald. the Jets. Silence says it all. <laughs> Uh, and also add joining him to that, I guess. But he's also in the uh, signings. Yeah, bit group. of a um, bit of an interesting one. I don't think we've really come across that before, have we? Okay, no. let's imagine uh, coming to the club though, because Mike Mulvey brought you here and then leaving when he left. Just going to leave it at that. Yeah, we didn't really want him. Anyway, okay, let's quickly race through these. Uh, we've got Pierce. Yep. Okay. Cool. Birigitti. Good signing. Good signing. Yep. Experience. Uh, King Kim. Potentially good very sign. good Probably signing. Probably the best signing we could have made. Potentially. We'll, we'll Potentially, yes. We'll wait to see how he goes at A-League level, but signs are promising. Looks Looked good so far, hasn't he? Even in that oh, 30 minutes, it was his first 30 wait. minutes in the jumper, he looked good. Mm. And um, along with the other Korean guy, actually, who looked okay. Very good, but he very was good the better feet. of the two. Good touch. Um, so yeah, yeah, Lee's gone back home. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but um, of the two, I would have chosen him and uh, then followed that up with a good performance subsequently. So, yeah, like the I cannot the wait to there. see him in the A-League. He's potentially one of our best ever signings. Possibly. So. That's Huge big, that's big, wor- big words. Huge yes. call. We'll know. remember that, won't we? Yeah, well, just like your Melbourne Yeah, remember that one. Call. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> um, We're going to beat victory this year. Ziggy Gordon. Potentially one of our best ever signings. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no pressure, Ziggy. We, need, no, we definitely Ziggy, need to get him on the pod one if, time. If Ziggy is good half bloke. as good a footballer as he is a bloke, he will absolutely dominate this yeah, year. I he, thought we'd sign him as a centre-back and then we yeah. saw him at right-back mm. in the FFA Cup. And judging by his height, you know, if you can get away with a short centre-back as long as you get a tall one next year, mm. I don't know if that's going to be eventually the plan, but he's been playing right-back from what... I've seen, so I don't know what's going to happen there. We're still a long way short of the squad, so hopefully... I think he, he played well against Maitland. There, I think so. he, you know, showed a few good things, so hopefully, you know, he can continue that. It looks like he's uh, in for the starch, like, you know, goes hard at the challenge and we like that. So. Mm. Just needs a slip, was, slop, slap. Well, he had the most tackles in the um, SPL M- last Most successful season. tackles most successful in SPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Clisby is there. Daniel Silver is back and wearing yellow Paul Ocon. Oh, Never to pull on a shirt again, surely. Yeah. Surely. Uh, Galafioco. I think that was a good mm. signing because he was he came back to the Wanderers last season and automatically started for them and played well. So I think that's a good signing. Hopefully he can uh, stay injury free. I think because he's is he back from injury or is he still rehabbing? Still rehabbing at the moment. Um, I don't think he'll be ready for the upcoming FFA Cup game next week. Um, but uh, he's definitely on track to make it back for round one. Cool. Majok. Yeah, look, I think it's um, a Not depth sure signing, um, just to give us a little bit more depth up top. Um, he's, he's got a lot to prove. He's scored a few goals in pre-season. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Look, we, we signed a striker who was struggling to get game time in one of the only teams that we beat last year. Mm. So what does that tell you? Well, he's young and, you know, he's got great potential, but um, at the moment... I've got potential. 
possibly not as much as him, but he's got the right attributes. <laughs> but um, but you're right, he hasn't been able to put it together and um, too many missed chances uh, so far, so hopefully he can improve upon Hasn't got that. a very good touch either, so that, that's something he needs to work on, in my opinion. Jottingham? Oh, wait. Uh, Silm Silvera, we've already gone through. A really good signing. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to see him play. Um, McGlinchey, skip over that. Simon, skip over that. Melling? Skip over that. Skip over that. Well, well, we'll benefit from the hard work, but hopefully he passes inside the pitch most of the time. Yes. And doesn't give it away. Yeah, that'd be good. Time. A tackling machine, but some um, t- sometimes loses his composure. Brett Rolls? He, he plays his hardest every game. I'll give him that. He's, he's always trying. Brad Rolls, I think, will um, be a better player this year uh, for the experience that he had last year. And with someone who's a good man manager as, as Stadzic, um I think we'll see him develop his game even further. I'm a fan of him. I think he can do well for us, and I think he can develop into somebody who we would like to have around over the longer term, you know. So um, good luck to him. I'm glad that we've kept him, and I think he can add some depth as well as actually step up to the plate this year. Uh, Jordan, feed the Muzz Murray. Yeah, we've gone over that. Um, yeah. Again, I think he'll be better off for the season that he had last year. How many goals did he score last season? Uh, it was only three, I think, off the top of my head. Um, of course, a banger against Newcastle. Limited opportunities, though. You know, hopefully this year he can really capitalise. Yeah, that's I think this right. is. Yeah, he's got that one year of experience in the A League. Now he knows what he needs to do, and you know, like you said before, Pete, he's he's keen on learning and getting better. So hopefully he can uh, tuck a couple away during the season. Tongik, hard to say, isn't it? For me, I I, I kind of think that he's got great potential, but um, he just doesn't hasn't quite lived up to what I've thought so far. He's been around a few clubs now. He's making a bit of history for himself without actually making any history for what himself. What is he, fifth, so. fourth or fifth club at 21 or 22 years old? Yeah, at this rate, he's got Liam Reddy covered. <laughs> uh, Tommy Orr, who I thought impressed in the FFA I, Cup I always game. forget that he's at this club for some reason. I always forget that he's here. So I was injured for a while last year. But yeah, but I think he's a... You know, if he gets back to his best, he'll be pretty good. I get what you mean. Every time someone says Tommy Orr, I think Brisbane or something yeah. like that, you know? I think it was, yeah, like he said, he was, he was injured for a, a bit of the season, so I sort of forget that he's still here, so he's, you know, see what happens. Showed some real good moments in this preseason, though, including yeah. a couple of sharp goals. If we can get him fit and firing, yeah. he'll be like a new signing for us. I think him and, Murray, him and Murray were combining pretty well during the Maitland game, I th- yeah. seem to remember. So. Not absolutely sure whether he's a 10 or a winger, to be honest. I think he's played both those positions in this preseason. Well, he's got a 10 on his back, so yeah, you I'm, tell well, me. Yeah, no, nah, but, um, but with McGlinchey in the side, then we have tended to play him as 10 but then he to me was at his best when he was a winger for us so some people disagree with that but yeah so that'll be an interesting one Chabelle shame we are uh, kid with potential haven't seen enough to I think you we'll and get your potential we've got all these young kids I don't think he'll play <laughs> I don't much rate him. I don't think he'll get Squatty. much game time I haven't at all, seen to anything that you could rate him Nisbet. for yet. Yeah, yeah, Nisbet, hopefully we see a little bit more of him um, this season. Uh, he had limited opportunities last season, but um, I think he's, he's ready to get a bit more game time and, and cut his teeth even further. Has looked good in the pre-season too, I thought. You know, just a little bit of a percentage uplift on last season. Just looks confident on the ball, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, hope for him. And Jurich. He's a bit of an unknown, isn't he? But I think I think he'll be he'll be good. Or is it Jurich? to ask him. Yeah, have to ask him. Um, I think it's Zurich. But, um, oh, right. Zurich. Yeah. De- uh, yeah. Um, look, captain at um, his Serbian club, Vojvodanja, last season. Um, so he's got the experience. Um, 
hopefully he's uh, he's a good fit. Our midfield stocks are um, absolutely bulging this year. So good age still. I think he's what thirty one. So you know, bulging. <laughs> great look. Got the experience. <laughs> great, great looking video. Like you know, there's a lot of good video of what he's uh, of his work in the past. Yeah, so. but there's a lot of you know you could probably cut together a good YouTube clip of my you know good moments over the last. It wouldn't be a long one, <laughs> but my good moments in the last ten years. So well, that's kind of what struck me that his one was reasonably long. That's how that, he. That's how he signed Malik Mane, wasn't it? Yeah, that. Well, a YouTube yeah. highlights video. That's how we got um, the incomparable Malik Mane into the side. I do miss Mal- Malik Mane. <laughs> Congratulations to Central Coast United who got promoted Ew. from State League into NPL 3 for next season. Nice. Only their Great second season uh, in existence and what a fantastic achievement for the club. Absolutely. Premiers across all three grades, 18s, 20s and, and first grade. Finishing um, first in the club championship and moving into the semis. Absolutely crushing it. Nice. To do that two years in your existence is is very impressive and shows that you know the club's going places and that is the places going is up. Congratulations to Matt Crowell as well on his retirement, um, a former Mariner. Yeah, what a great career uh, Matty Crowell had, um, the beast of Wrexham, and uh, the um, absolute leader at Central Coast United as well. Of course, with Dan McFarlane there and Stu as well. Full credit to all those boys involved. Try and get him on this show soon, and that'll wrap up for the business. Uh, we're going to do the two interviews now. First up, Sean, and then followed by Tyson Scott. All right, we're back with Sean. How are you, mate? Yes, going very good. Going That's very good. good. Um, straight into it, how are you going with the outdoor this year? Yeah, look, uh, I wouldn't say it's the most successful of seasons, but um, my teammates have definitely let me down. It's been a pretty piss poor effort <laughs> by them. So, but under the bus you yeah. go. <laughs> but uh, no, I know they're all uh, they're all going to give me the award for the, uh, uh, we have a Dingos Award, which is our uh, trophy for the end of the year, so I'll probably earn that after these comments. But um, yeah, no, it's been all right, it's been all right. What Got a few get? goals, which is rare for me. What do you get for the Dingos Award? Tell us about that. Yeah, well, the Dingos Award is actually a bit of carry-on Cougars tradition, so and uh, goes back a long way. It's probably not uh, good for uh, yeah, under 18 years to hear what it actually is, <laughs> but let's just say it's a, a totem of phallic proportions. We used to have a dickhead hat in Bay 16. If someone was a dick one week, they'll get the hat that's got a dick on it. So, yeah. Is it similar? Uh, yeah, but it's like a totem. But um, A totem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have to scull a, bo- uh, scull a beer out of it like a shoey, but oh. uh, it's um, yeah, it's quite iconic. Just thought I'd mention it since I may have won it in the past for my own I reckon stupidity. you would have. Hmm. Put Multiple times, I think. Possibly. <laughs> yes. Um, this is a new stand we're going to ask each each listener uh, or each interviewer. Uh, who were your favourite football idols growing up? Like, who did you idolise in the yeah. football world? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's an easy one for me. My... Uh, family's Dutch. Uh, Mum was a massive Ajax fan, and uh, and with a name like Dennis Bergkamp, it sort of uh, really stood out. So for me as a kid, you know, he uh, he really stood out, and there was a few goals there that uh, was fantastic. I never did convert to be an Arsenal fan though, so I never oh, really I was worried uh, followed that there. that full footstep. But yeah, Dennis was uh, is definitely the poster I would have had up in my bedroom wall. Sean, you want to tell us a little bit about the uh, the new structure and the new ownership model of the A-League and how that's shaping up? 
Yeah, it's a really, really exciting time. We had a very big uh, week in football the last um, seven to ten days. There was a, a big CEOs conference and all the coaches came along and the strategic plan from AFCA, um, which is the Australian Professional Football Clubs Association, uh, was rolled out by Simon Pearce, the chairman of Melbourne City, and uh, was described as a brave new world uh, for uh, for football in the country and in particular for the A-League, which is really, really exciting. What, what it does mean is that the FFA is, uh, is transitioning um, uh, ownership and management of the A-League um, to, a, to a new leagues company that, um, that will run the, the A-League. Greg O'Rourke will still head it up, so he'll move from uh, being an FFA employee to, um, to working for the new leagues co. And, uh, and it means a lot. It's, it's kind of hard to describe verbally, but as you go through the details of the presentation, which was a 100-page presentation, there was, a, there was a lot in it, and it just really does give the league um, the ownership, the structure of the EPL, that's there. So the A-League clubs have now all got, at the moment, 111th of the A-League. And, and next year with MacArthur coming in, it will be 112th uh, of the A-League itself. And so from referees, I think, you know, personally, I think will be a massive change as the, uh, the, the structure and the strategies for, for referees kicks in to you know, how, the, how the money flows always comes back. But you know, really for the, the clubs, it's about the destiny being in our own hands. Uh, it was really evident for myself uh, being there, there was a presentation from uh, from Rob Sherman, the new national technical director, and also from the national teams. And instead of kind of sort of just telling us how things are, they were asking us, we, this is our strategy and we'd like the A-League and the A-League clubs to buy into that. So the whole tone was very, very different. And um, and we'll only really know as, as things evolve, uh, it won't be an immediate impact, but behind the scenes, it's it's quite revolutionary. And is it good? Is it good for the Mariners? It like uh, from the club's point of view, there's been plenty of talk about incentives, disincentives, maybe for clubs. We're the smallest clubs, so I can imagine that uh, taking control will advantage the biggest clubs. How does it look for for the club, and and what does Mike think about it? I guess. Yeah, look, of course, Mike's been Mike's been uh, pushing so hard, and has been a been one of the chairman that's been highly involved in this discussion for a long time. So, it is good for us. Um, it won't all be um, yeah, uh, roses for us, but it is very, very positive. I think probably the biggest opportunity that we see straight away will be player transfers within the A-League, uh, allow us to trigger a, um, uh, the, the factory that's going. And, and Lachlan Wales was actually used as one of the examples um, uh, from Melbourne City Group as to why the system wasn't working previously. Um, and so, so a lot of those changes will come in. And, and I think that that's a really, really exciting part for... Uh, for how things will go, there's a there's a lot of talk about another visa spot going to six visas. It's probably not uh, something that we would look at and go, wow, that's really beneficial for us. Uh, however, for the other for the other clubs, it would be um, it, it would be an opportunity for the whole league to improve. And so, if the quality goes up, then then that's going to be better for everybody. And um, and other moves like uh, they're they're putting forward the um, the option to have another two substitutes on the bench uh, under 23s. And so by having that, I think it gives a really good opportunity for young up-and-coming talent to be on the bench. And then if there's a 3-0 result one way or another, you're going to see a lot more de- debuts happen. And coaches, rather than being very conservative and bringing the old Storwood, you know, who's been around, who's the safe bet for him, he can have a little bit more of a gamble and bring some exciting young kids onto the bench and throw them on. So there's just a couple like little idea. snippets. I do like that idea. Will that cost of taking extra players cost the clubs though? Yeah, it will cost, but it's optional. So 
Um, so, so clubs don't have to put the extra two on the bench. So you'll probably find a lot of clubs in the first season will um, will have the the uh, the extra two for the home games and not for the away games. Purely from a budgeting perspective, we've already started the financial year. Most clubs are already pretty organised with their budgets and costs uh, now that the draw's been played out. So, um, but it does give those options for. Um, in particular, if you've travelled a long distance and you've got a, a player who's borderline sick, uh, as an example, if you go to Perth or Wellington for us and you've got a player who's got a you know, bit of a cough and you're not sure if he's going to get there or not, you run the risk. You've got to take a gamble two or three days before to try to pick if he's going to if he's going to be better. Whereas now you could probably more safely you know, put a young kid on the plane and have those options available. Another idea that we saw proposed was the the top six would get. Um financial reimbursement like a reward is that something that's on the table as well yeah it's really really interesting conversation and probably didn't um um roll out as 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 obvious as i would have thought um you know personally i thought that it would have gone down the path of those who win the finals get prize money but um but in in actual fact it was the opposite uh, the uh, the owners came together and said, look, if the if there's a grand final winner that's there and there's money on the table, it probably doesn't make sense to reward those who are on top at this time of our journey. It probably still needs to be evenly spread. So the fact that revenues will go back through from the finals is important, but I think it'll be evenly spread. And, and their sort of feeling was more around, well, it's probably those who miss the finals that probably need the financial uh, incentives more yeah. so. So then, so it, it's, a, it's a pretty level-headed approach to it. Uh, but I can definitely see that there's a real excitement around the fact that uh, the money from the finals um, will go back to, through to the A-League and the A-League clubs in particular, unlike the previous model, which um, which what would happen is, is as soon as you get to the finals, the FFA uh, would then step in and run the the event. That was a big cash cow for them, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only just a cash cow, but the but the event operations itself. You're talking about Melbourne Victory, who know how to run their event. They've got their own staff. They've got their own procedures. And then the FFA will come in and say, "Well, oh, no, hang on, we're going to do it this way for the finals." You know, it takes a bit of an edge off a home yeah. ground advantage. Yeah, you you lose your regular seat. The yeah, whole ticketing I'd, is a clean, clean slate. So. We've seen that plenty of times, you know, with uh, whether it be the uh, the FFA Cup final. I think sticks out for me with. Um, uh, with, with Sydney a couple of years back where their members couldn't get their own seats. Yep. Yeah, so, so I imagine that the clubs uh, will be far more um, um, far more yeah, uh, logical in, in those approaches to make sure they get the best for their better members. Better synchronised as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So the FFA Cup is still going to retain, um, be retained by the FFA? So it's a separate identity, just like in the UK? Or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the moment, that, that do, does still sit in that structure that's there, so... Okay, because we saw the idea proposed that uh, last place would be, you know, kicked out of the FFA Cup for the following year, which I think is a stupid idea because FFA Cup is for every team and every club in Australia and to take one club out because they finished last, I think it's a bad idea. If they want to penalise that, then, you know, maybe bring them in a round earlier. But um, that idea, has it been brought up? It wasn't brought up in the recent the FFA Cup in particular wasn't brought up in the in the recent meetings that was there when that idea was first bandied around probably six months ago uh, the first question that was raised well if uh, if if the team eleven uh, doesn't uh, qualify for the FFA Cup and they've got an NPL team well you can't stop 
the NPL team from registering in the FFA Cup via Football New South yeah. Wales as an example, uh, which in some aspects might actually be more um, more promising aspect to get more professional or proper games in for a pre-season campaign. So so it sort of you know, put a spanner in the works you know, in, in that instance. And so it just hasn't been mapped through and walked through, I think, over the next six months. Uh, they'll, they'll slowly tread carefully as to what okay, that looks like. Well, if like. that comes up again, can you just slam it down for us? <laughs> okay. <laughs> When's the, um, when is that looking to take effect, the new ownership model? So, well, technically it came in already uh, from 1 August, but legally there's a lot to to um, to, uh, to get through. So it'll still probably take another six weeks by rough guess of my own uh, that's there. So And uh, it'll be an evolving process, um, and it's really just a matter of uh, there's the financial component, there's the legal component, and then there's the operational component. The operational component's moving quite fast, so that's happening pretty quick, um, and then the other bits will, will fall into place as they go. Any other key aspects to it that you want to throw out there for the people listening? Things like maybe um, uh, development of kids and the benefit that you can get cap and, and uh, numbers, what squad numbers wise, if any, um, through developing your own players as opposed to buy, buying them into the club, that kind of stuff? Well, I think the biggest uh, thing straight off the bat is the way that ideas will, will get more airtime. Um, so, so if a club has a good idea and can rally the other clubs, uh, first and foremost, then you're, you're likely to get it up if if you can put a, um, a presentable case through to the ownership group that goes in. So so I think that that's exciting uh, rather than having to worry about uh, a lot of layers of governance. So it's a lot quicker that's there. And the other part that I think will be really exciting will be just the buy-in uh, from the coaches in regards to media exposure. Um, there's a there's a real message around the games. It is a show. It is an entertainment product. Um, and as we've seen in the other codes, there's there's an opportunity for a lot more access, a lot more you know, behind the scenes content. And when you know, uh, and 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 for Alan, if if uh, uh, he knows he'll get a call from Mike Charlesworth at some stage and say, hey, mate, you know, what, what do you reckon we can do about this and, and how can we do this? It's a lot different than Alan talking to someone from FFA who's been instructed from someone from Fox, you know, who then comes around into to a lot more lays that's there. So so I think there'll be a lot more buy-in from everybody about uh, really making sure the product is as best as it, as it can be and just looking for new ideas. Uh, I know one I'm passionate about is to mic up the fourth official. I'd love to hear that conversation between a coach and the fourth official. I think that could be really cool. The I think world it, needs to hear Matt Simon yelling at the <laughs> <laughs> But in all fairness, I think if they also know that that's mic'd up, then it's probably going to uh, control the uh, the conversation a little bit more, knowing that they are on show uh, everywhere. So it'll improve the product that goes to market for everybody in football to see what that um, can look like. But it also gives the coaches a good opportunity to get a message to the fans about what he thought about that call in a yeah in in, in a good entertaining way. But uh, but that's just my idea that I'm I'm sort of putting out there at the moment. Well, so. as Australians, we're used to the referee being able to be heard through NRL and that, aren't we? So, I guess if there's anyone in the world that's going to adopt it before you know before anyone else, it'd be us. Well, we saw it uh, in a Brisbane versus Western Sydney Wanderers game with mm. I think it was Jared Gillette and his team mic'd up, and I thought that was a fantastic insight. Yeah. So yeah, push that. I'm up for that idea. Any ideas that you want to bring in, Moro? Oh, actually, the one the one that I spoke of. The, I love the idea that if we're going to be a club that identifies ourselves as developing young players, then to be able to attract them, develop them from a young age and to incorporate them in our squad without having to spend our uh, cap dollars and our squad places on them or to get benefits um, associated with that development, then that really sort of backs up the reasoning that we've tried to present out over the last you know several years. We haven't really had a platform to be able to deliver on that kind of thing in the past. 
past, but but there's potential there if um, the competition can see that as a beneficial way of bringing young players through. So, yeah. Question: Does this mean the end of Star Wars round? Does this mean the end of Star Wars round? Ooh. Yes. There's definitely been no talk of Star Wars round, um, so so I haven't seen anything come through from that. But the marketing of the A League is being driven from the A League clubs. Um, there, there's a Good. working group that's been formed that is from four marketing managers from uh, from the clubs. Tyson's, whilst he's not part of it, he's been uh, he's been a big driver in the background for that. So we've been able to have a direct say in the marketing campaign, and um, there was there's been a lot of changes in the last couple of weeks as to what was going to go out to what will go out, which is pretty exciting. That is uh, good from our because perspective. marketing the last I don't know six years has just been absolutely appalling. Not on not on clubs' behalf, but you know A League in general. You didn't like Yoshi? Who? <laughs> yeah No I didn't No Who did he go He went and support Melbourne even City, though he City left wasn't it City Western Sydney didn't uh, he Ka-ching <laughs> He had vision Apparently They right. bought him off Now um, A lot of people said That we couldn't get Marco Markovsky Through the door um, But we did sign uh, Milan Juric Instead Which people You know Lightened people's um, Spirits Is there anyone else On the horizon Maybe Really soon that uh, we're looking at signing. I'd love to get to the bottom of the Marco <laughs> Mikowski stuff. It's really quite interesting. So he could um, have been an absolute force for us, and I'm gutted he didn't come through. So I think I saw him on Goal.com. Was it was it Goal.com? It was one uh, of Daily Oz Football. Daily Oz Football. Yeah, was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah so um, so anyway, that's uh, that's that's it all there. Um, the actual question was: um, uh, Yes, we uh, we do have more players to bring into the squad. Um, some sooner rather than later, and um, and so there's definitely another visa spot that's that's available, um, and uh, and stage I have a few decisions about um, about it, uh, who to come in next. I'm not saying that the next signing will be a visa; it's quite the opposite. Uh, I think uh, we'll take a little bit of time on that, but there's um, there's still more troops to come in. So there's nothing you want to tell us. Uh, look, maybe um, I'll give you an exclusive off air and we'll just have a look because it's probably within 24 to 48 hours. He said with a smirk. Oof. <laughs> Okay, yeah, fair enough. Nice one. Um, Mike Charlesworth, what's he been up to? I heard he's been over. Yes, yes, Mike came over for the uh, for the New Leagues Working Group meetings that was there with the chairman um, to, to be heavily involved in that, which is great. Uh, spent, a, spent a good bit of time up here with us um, looking at all, all all different parts. So And um, and Mike's been in pretty good spirits. He's spent a lot of time in Hong Kong, so I know Mike listens to this. So, um, um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting place for Mike to have spent a lot of time, but he assures me it's been pretty safe over there. And, um, and yeah, I, I think for Mike it's really a good opportunity. He's been working really well with the other directors, Anton Taliaferro and Cameron Khan on the structure of the league. Uh, we've got some more resources in around um, in around the place and seeing that come together is has been really important. But there's a real focus at the moment to make sure that um, uh, that we're prepared that uh, that should the results come in the way that we're hoping that the uh, that the club can really take advantage of that and drive forward and grow. Good to hear. Aside from uh, uh, those things, the other two gentlemen have joined the um, directorship of the board. Um, can you talk of anything specific that they've added or brought to the place? Um, they've been here for several months now. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Cameron Khan, who's based over in the States, is is definitely been highly involved in our financial uh, accounting, bookkeepings, all the boring stuff that uh, that none of the fans need to or really want to hear about. But it's just been a lot more professional in the background. There's been a lot more um, accountability and, and understanding of uh, of all that, which has been uh, been just very good for myself personally uh, as well. So, but the um, uh, the operations uh, as a result of that are, are, are far more slick. 
process for us. And um, and as far as Anton, Anton's been really good. He's been brilliant. He's been uh, involved in in just about everything from you know player recruitment to uh, to media announcements and uh, spent a lot of time with Mike. He's travelled over to see Mike uh, a fair bit and um, he's brought resources into the club. There's uh, he's given a lot of support to the academy in particular through the change that we've just gone through um, uh, mid season with the with the coaching staff and and to see that we're one round out and uh, and a stone throw away from possible promotion uh, is pretty exciting. Exciting and, and an indicator. So, Anton's been really good for that. He um, is a big supporter of the club. He's very passionate, and um, whilst he's overseas celebrating his birthday at the moment, he'll be uh, back soon, and I'm sure we'll all get to catch up with him at the uh, at one of the next forums. Did he have some positive comments after the fan forum at Adelong? Did he enjoy that? Yeah, look, he did. He really did. He he just he. he he said it was really refreshing to get to speak to everybody. You know, he had his, um, uh, he was he was relieved to just get some of his views out there to everybody. So, uh, and I know that um, yeah, he'll uh, he'll enjoy doing that again. Definitely a character, especially yeah. off the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Anton's a really really good guy, and um, and he's he's been a big important you know, change to the club. And I'm sure when the club yeah sees some success, uh, a lot of it will be attributed back to Anton. Just on the fans forums there as well, Aaron's just mentioned. Um, any more on the horizon? Look, we did uh, we did have another one planned and we had to bin it because there was a, a last-minute game that was um, uh, called for the team. So the team did take priority, which is all fair enough. Um, and so we, we are definitely having one, maybe two, uh, before the start of the season. And I think we just need to wait to see how the FFA Cup draw plays out for us. We generally do them on Wednesdays. Um, we, we, we generally find that that's the, uh, the better time to have a, have a proper catch-up with everybody. But um, uh, we'll just trivia. see how it plays out. A bit trivia on Wednesdays. The trivia on Wednesdays? Yeah. Yes. Where, where do you have it? We'll just go there and do the forum where you do Tukli. trivia. Tookley. Yeah. That's yeah. a long way away. We'll just book it around. Northern YouTube, End. Right. Northern End. You it's know. closer than Doylson. <laughs> <laughs> well, just on to the Centre of Excellence as well. Can you tell us about anything that's progressed here? Well, it's, um, it has definitely been uh, a slower beast recently. Uh, we've... Um, Small things we've you know, polished up a bit of a car park to improve some parking uh, that's here, but we are still um, we're still working through the process for more access. We can't build on the site until there's another access point to come in. Uh, that access point from Warung Road is um, is quite expensive uh, to get through and would damage the profitability of any other buildings coming in. It's a big talking point and an understanding for Mike. Uh, it's been an evolving path. Uh, we've had the big announcement from Westfield uh, with the. I don't know how many billions it was uh, that they announced at the last election. So just seeing how real some of that is uh, without wanting to um, to go and spend money on something that might get knocked down and, and redone. Uh, so it is slow at the moment, but um, but it's quite stable, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. Uh, a bit of news that came out a while ago now actually was um, about the possibility of a W League team. And I don't think we've, we've heard a lot about that. Could you give us an update on uh, how the W League team uh, possibility is progressing? Yeah, so W League um, uh, has shifted over with the A League. Um, and the, um, the new league's uh, working group has released a, uh, a document on the A League in the strategic document. And they're soon in the next three to four weeks to launch a W League uh, document as well so it's a very important one strategically um, it, it really does uh, touch to some of the heartstrings of what will create the W League it does look a lot at the uh, the playing windows and the changes from the overseas uh, competitions and how to align with those competitions to get the best amount of talent that's come come in if they stretch it out too far then you'll find that some of the best Matildas won't be playing in the W League so there's a lot in the conversation that's there we're right in the thick of things what does appear to be 
Uh, likely is that there is a, there will be a call for an alignment of A-League and W-League licences uh, over the course of time to gradually bring in, uh, which can only be viewed as a positive thing for us. We are um, definitely having a very close look at W-League. Um, and what also is happening with the W-League is the, uh, the, the cost and equal pay um, uh, for the players, which is a good thing, is, is on the rise. So we just need to be mindful of understanding what that looks like to um, make sure we don't bite off more than we can chew and then end up doing something that's uh, the second rate. So if we do go in, it will be something that we, we know that we will do well in. So is that good news for Canberra men's team? Or is it bad news for Canberra women's team, to the best of your knowledge? Um, I don't know, in, 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 all, in all honesty. Uh, the, um, the comments around uh, alignment are, are definitely positive. Um, and then the comments around expansion from the A-League uh, really did flag that Canberra was something that would be considered. The strategy that was presented forward was rather than just put an open tender type uh, scenario and see who the best bidders was, was to actually have a look at this is where we want a franchise, this is uh, the, the structure around it, and now put in your bids if you want to be there. So whether that's Brisbane or Canberra or uh, Auckland was the other one that sort of came up. I think that's what will happen is there will be a call out that this is where we want a franchise. Now who wants to bid for that franchise in that location rather than just an open who's got the best bid uh, and who's going to pay the most amount of money. Um, and I think that that'll probably end up answering the question as to what happens then in Canberra. Yeah, because we've seen the last two clubs came, come in were basically who can pay the most amount of money. So with uh, what guarantees are there going to be for this new A-League structure that that's not going to continue? Oh, there are, that, that's, the, that's probably the, the good thing about it. There are no guarantees on, on anything because it is, a, uh, it is an open market uh, scenario. So the guarantees are the, um, the, the 11 clubs and the 12 clubs next year um, doing the right thing for the league. Uh, if it's so, good for the league, yeah. So it is all the twelve plus a couple of say board members like Gregor Walk that would have a vote on. Who yeah, there'll the be an independent be. chair, so yep. so they'll go through and recruit an independent chair that's not connected, uh, and then that'll be the deciding um, yeah component for it. Okay, so was, better for football, not so much money. Was refreshing to hear mentioned in one of the stories recently though about um, consideration of regions um, as opposed to um, the financial model that's always been a thing because yeah, I'm pretty passionate about the idea that if we can't um, distribute ourselves amongst regions of the place and not just in the big cities then we don't really have a um, universally acceptable competition so it's really important the clubs like the Mariners can exist and other clubs can come in um, with similar population bases and so, yeah. And that's what happened with Western Sydney. Uh, they called out, they said, we're going to put a, a club in Western Sydney and now let's see who, who comes together. And there was the alliterations of the Rovers and there was, I've spoken to, I reckon, at least 12 or 13 people who uh, were part of that journey and, and many of them you know, were, were putting together bids and options that, that didn't get to see the light of day. But, um, but the whole structure around that was a far better um, you know, uh, strategy in, in saying this is where we're going to have a club. Now how do we get there in the best, best way forward? Just one from myself, actually. I've been um, hearing rumours of a new kit potentially coming out this year. Have you got any news on that? No. Okay. <laughs> I think that means yes. <laughs> so, look, you know, the, um, the, the kit is a... Uh, Umbro again? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah yep. we, we are with Umbro. And um, uh, there is a new kit. It will be late. It will be very late. Um, what had happened for us is there was a, uh, a change. 
very late in the piece that held everything back, but a change that um, uh, that was the right one to do. So it was more important to get it right than to get it on time. Um, so um, is that the badge? Oh no! Well, the badge is is a nice yeah one of the smaller little changes that's there. But yes, we finally fixed up a little edge that was um, yeah okay that was Just crooked. Listeners, if you go look at your kits from the last few years, have a look at the edge of the badge. And just let us know if it annoyed you. Yeah, you'll, you'll, it's fixed. <laughs> yeah. And look, the the um, when the samples come through from where we thought was going to be a very good kit, probably missed the mark. Um, so we um, so we quickly started again to make sure that we got the kit right, um, and and took that decision to to run it late, uh, which is all okay. I'm really excited about uh, what our FFA Cup kit will be for the you know, game against Brisbane. Uh, it'll be very different, and uh, and we'll look to make that announcement on Tuesday just before the game. Uh, that's there, and um, it'll have a very coasty feel to it. Palm tree? No. Because they're not coasty. I, I, I don't know whether there's any palm trees. Entrance, maybe? Terrigal? I can't tell if you're being facetious, Jimmy. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> never tell with you. Speaking of palm trees, um, stadium management. Yeah, yeah. look, the, uh, the council are currently underdoing a, a review of the stadium, which is a really important one for us. Um, so we've, uh, we're very passionate to, to see how uh, things play out. They're doing a report uh, that would be a deep dive into the stadium and the, um, the uh, strategy for council moving forward with the stadium, uh, which involves stadium management. Uh, you might have noticed yesterday on, uh, on social media, council put up a survey. I encourage everybody to get on and, and complete that survey in all honesty uh, for your experience at the stadium because it will be very well uh, contributed and um, we're having a lot of discussions at the moment to um, to make sure that um, that the stadium um, is uh, is one that's really good for the Mariners moving forward. I made several complaints in that survey. Okay, about food. Yeah, well, they'll be heard, and, and yeah. you know that's that's what that's what the process is all about. See my name, shift delete. I think we might need to um, share that link to the survey on the Coast Football Ramble uh, it's Facebook been page. Shared on the Yellow Army page. Uh, we'll make sure we continue to share that around to get as much feedback as we can from Mariners fans. Absolutely. A- any talk still about um, pitch and uh, changes to pitch and all of that that was... Yeah, so um, so the uh, there was a change in, in, uh, in timing uh, that was there. You'll notice in the draw there's a, there's a three-week gap from round eight to ten. Uh, and in that period there, that's when the, the pitch rejuvenation will happen um, yeah, for, the, uh, for that. So, so that's a pretty good one. Um, um, I think that that's uh, that that we'll see a better pitch conditions uh, through the season. So so a bit of an applaud to uh, to the stadium on because they were meant to start October, on. weren't they? Uh, no, they were actually meant to be starting now. They, they were, the original oh, no, okay. plan was to do it now, exactly uh, through this period. Uh, however, there was um, uh, there was there was a change in decision. Um, uh, there was a possibility that it might have creeped into the start of our season, and uh, and we might have had to have played a few more games away, but. Um, uh, in the end, you know, Kath and the crew there uh, had, had shifted the dates that um, they fit into the schedule now. Yeah, so we've got two games at home, month away, and then two games at home. That's not too bad. Yeah, and then, then I think it's that, yeah, around eight, is it, yeah, eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. We're away, and then we're back on the uh, on the round 11 against Adelaide. Yeah, it's pretty good. Got a bye around nine, so it's all fine. What do you think of the draw? I haven't looked too closely at it, and I'm not planning on doing away trips this year. Um, it's boring. I've got a kid. I'll have to get back to you on that one. What do you, you, Josh? You've looked at it. Too many Sunday games. Too many Sunday games. Yeah, Sunday four pm is a bit of a killer. We've seen that before. I think with um, yeah, struggling for crowd numbers at times around that sort of three four o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, especially in the um, the midst of the summer heat. Um, we do have some tasty Friday night and Saturday night fixtures as well, so all's not lost. 
Yeah, the um, the Sunday 4 p.m., um, the way to think of it is actually replacing the Sunday 7 p.m. Um, so whilst it sort of looks like the, the five's gone back to the four and the uh, seven's gone back to the six, the actual draw... Uh, the way it's played out is actually the, op- the, the 7 p.m. games have gone to 4 p.m. So um, that was the sort of the decision that a 4 p.m. Sunday is better than a 7 p.m. Sunday. Um, just to give a bit of insight as to how that one came into the draw. And I think some of our locals will agree with that, the, that we're, we're always damned if we do and damned if we don't in terms of the families and the others because anything on a school night um, mm. that's later than about 5 o'clock is going to hurt families. Yeah, well, they used to be a 3 o'clock kick-off, weren't they? They got pushed back to 7. Yes. Yeah. 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 yes. yeah, which I think was worse overall. So you've got to deal with low crowds or better weather and you can't have both. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, it is tough for us. Yeah, Friday nights uh, are tough. Sunday nights uh, are tough. So, yeah. Um, but... Um, but there's, there's a really good opportunity for some TV games um, to come through, so which is um, which will be exciting. Why was the draw delayed? Do you know what was the excuse for that? Yeah, well, there were a couple couple clubs that had some issues um, that was there. So you name and shame, or um, no, I don't actually know. In all fairness, uh, it never really sort of. Um, uh, I, th- I think they solved the issues through through the period, so so it never really came up as to what it was. But the um, uh, the other part of the delay is the conversation around free-to-air broadcast, uh, and they're trying to buy as much time as they can to work with Channel 10. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they can strike a deal with Channel 10 to get um, to get some games. That's there. It's I know two games a week, isn't it? I think. I yeah, saw. yeah, and and it's the uh, the Sunday afternoon and the Saturday afternoon games. So so there there could be that opportunity for those uh, Sunday afternoon 4 p.m. games to be on TV, which could see. Uh, they do have a disclaimer that they could make match changes um, for that. So if Channel 10 uh, did end up picking that up and then there was a Mariners um, you know, game on a 4pm but you know, Victory and Wanderers were playing somewhere else and they wanted that on their Channel Channel 10 free-to-air, there's probably a high likelihood that one or two games may get changed. But I think they're only talking across the entire draw of maybe five to six games uh, might get shifted. But um, until we hear an update from uh, from Gregor Rock in A-League, uh, we're not sure how that's progressing right now. Pre-season games. Uh, have we got anything on the horizon? Any exclusive scoops you can give us? Um, yes, I can give you a, a bit of an exclusive that there's a behind-the-closed-doors game tomorrow um, happening. So, um, so, so I'm sure that we'll get a bit out about that against an A-League opposition. Uh, and I suppose the pre-season is um, really modelled around what happens with the FFA Cup, which is always the case. But, um, but there's been a there's been a, a concerted effort around that. There's um, there's a, a trip to Tassie. Uh, that's that's part of the pre-season trip that's there. So we'll get a couple of games down in Tassie for and get the boys away. Uh, that, that'll be in part of it, and um, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get a few more A-League oppositions before the season kicks off. And we've got one against the Jets on uh, or towards the tail end of September as well, and maybe with um, maybe I'm not sure if there's a chance to stream any of the upcoming friendlies or. Yeah, look, it was really interesting. We got that Western Bears uh, game streamed, which was new and and um, uh, probably sort of skirted around some um, some. Um, some governance rules how yeah, that's there but it's a sign of the new A-League I suppose in some aspect as well so it was it was really well received and a really good opportunity to get out there um, I know that there are some talks around uh, the Jets game possibly uh, changing um, so just in the fact that we drew them at the first um, first home game so I know the coaches are talking about that so so that could change I know there's always been a bit of conjecture about having a derby pre-season um, so, um, so it wouldn't surprise me if um, uh, and I've been speaking to Laurie if there are changes that come through, but that'll that'll get um, sorted out over the next couple of weeks. I think if you do look to stream any of the future games, you need to probably shake up the commentary team because that guy was distinctly average. 
Cameron Stone was horrendous. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Damn, another one under the bus. <laughs> so, no, in all fairness, uh, it was quite the opposite was the feedback, uh, in particular having Ziggy Gordon come on. Um, yeah, it was, was great. And, and they're the kind of cool things that, that we really do want to do, um, you know, and uh, we speak about a, a lot at CEO's level about you know, how much more we can do in, in that space there to get more engagement and uh, a bit more colour to, to things. So. Yeah. So you called it a success, and uh, so you had a sponsor for it. Did they call it a success? Uh, yeah, look, it was fantastic to have Southern Cross Stereo with uh, with CFM uh, come in and, and help and promote that for us, which was great. Um, shows you a commercial opportunity in around that space, and uh, and definitely you know, sponsorship for us is is always something that we uh, desperately need. Um, so any activations we can do for our sponsors who support us is great. Yeah, very enjoyable from the uh, armchair side of it. And, uh, yeah, I didn't think the commentary was too bad, although th- they were fairly quiet early in the second half. Not too sure about that. But, um, but yeah, generally pretty good job. What can you say to that? As, as the I was sound just, I was just being very quiet. Yeah, the sound <laughs> cut out there. Sorry, Murray. <laughs> Technical difficulties, buddy. <laughs> you if you want now. <laughs> it started early. <laughs> All right, office restructure, last one for you. Uh, what's happening in the office? We hear Dan is moving on from being the membership man. Yes, you know, one thing I'm really proud of is that uh, is that we do offer careers at the club. It's not just about the job that they're doing at the time, it is about their career and really care about all the staff that are here um, and uh, and really want them to, to see them all go and do well. So um, so Dan has, uh, has done such a great job. We've um, we've had to move him to, uh, to a bigger role and, uh, and chase some bigger fish. Um, in, in that market, so so Dan moves in, in through to corporate, uh, and is heading that up. He's still keeping a very close eye on, on the membership at the moment as we go through a transition uh, that's there, and um, and we've got a few people that are working in their young ends he- heading it up at the moment uh, for us in that space, and, and we'll look to uh, to solidify what that looks like moving forward. But probably the um, probably the, the the other key part for us is uh, is old mate Tyson, who I know you're going to get on. Uh, since he went to the FFA, he really turned to shit. I uh, really started to perform poorly. Um, I remind him about it every day. So we kicked him out. Um, and then somehow he jagged a scholarship with FIFA, which is really exciting. And in all fairness, uh, he's one of the best in the business. It's amazing to see uh, how far he's grown. And it's a real testament to everybody at the club that um, that someone uh, from within our organisation can go on to, uh, to achieve um, the only scholarship in the world. Lovely. Well, we've kept you long enough. Thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Good stuff. And all Cheers, the best guys. Of the season. No worries, leave you to it. Thanks, mate. Love you too. All right, we're finally joined by soon-to-be former media manager, Tyson Scott. How are you? Yeah, good, guys. Thanks for having me. Long time coming, I think. Yeah, well, I've tried for about four years, I think, to get you on, on this show or Yellow Army podcast, and you kept flick-passing us to someone else. So Yeah, well, there's always an upgrade for me, so whenever an interview request comes my way, it's oh. not often for me, but when it is, I've usually got pretty good access to people that will be a lot more entertaining than me, so I'm pretty good at that. Fair enough. Now, usuals, scrunch or fold? Uh, I'm definitely a folder, more surface area. I knew I liked you. Yeah. Uh, sauce in the cupboard or fridge? In the cupboard. <laughs> no. Yeah. And yes. there goes that. Yeah. Yes. Friendship. My man. Yeah. Who's with me on that? Is that a is cupboard, that a room 100%, divider? 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent. Fridge. 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 Fridge yeah. in my place. Yeah. Sizzling instructions, dude. 
Yeah, but you've got to be a rebel sometimes. You get right? mould yeah. one day. Oh, it's a recommendation, really, isn't it? I think we need to get a clarification from Master Foods, our uh, long-serving major sponsor here at the Central Coast Mariners. So uh, I did ask you him. He's still at it. <laughs> <laughs> I asked them two seasons ago, and they said fridge. Oh, okay. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get Tom Sauce back on. Yes. Right. Who were your football idols growing up? Um, growing up for me, I think... Um, Sort of my earliest um, memories of professional football, you know, going beyond sort of the Premier League Socceroos stuff was going to those really early Mariners games. Um, I remember going to those first Oceania Club World Cup qualifiers. How were you then? Um, I was early doors primary school. Fuck, um, you did, really? Yeah, yeah. So going along to those games um, back in the day. Um, and a player that sort of um, that always that I, I always actually followed um, as a youngster coming through because he's a, I've got a family connection with him um, was always Matt Simon. Funnily enough, um, watched him coming through the ranks at East Gosford. I remember being there for his grand finals on the Central Coast um, when he banged a few past Berkeley Vale, which is my club. So um, he's always been um, someone who I've always looked up to because he's a real. Um, you know, he crosses the line and he's an absolute menace. But um, when he's off the pitch, he's he's a top bloke. So uh, for me, he's always been someone that's been really close uh, to me, and I've always sort of really um, enjoyed the way that he he plays the game. Whether and and the fact that it divides opinions is something that I really like. So yeah, he's always been one for me that I've uh, I've looked up to. And of course, he's the uh, the Central Coast Mariners all-time leading goal scorer and six-time Golden Boot winner. So I've time. heard, yeah. So that's a legal times. obligation that Pete has that he needs to recite. Yeah, that song is mentioned. What's he paying you for that, Pete? To drop that in there. Commercial incompetence. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm still in shock that you're in primary school when the Mariners kicked off. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a photo um, in the office that I um, that I only noticed probably two years ago. Um, it's from 2008. There's a photo of Gumps there after we uh, that famous game against the Jets, and he's standing there in front of the crowd, and there's like this surfy kid with long hair over his <laughs> eyes and I'm like standing there with my arms up and that's been in reception since um, since that game and I'd never even knew that it was there so um, yeah I was always there from the start uh, I think the first one of the one of my earliest memories um, one of my first attractions to a Mariners game was the fact that Dwight York was going to be at Central Coast Stadium I remember going oh this guy from Manchester United he's going to be at Central Coast Stadium how cool is this remember all the kits being way too big for everyone yeah, all the yeah. kits being the same in every team just Except a different Heffin colour he got his fitted in season one yeah, and I loved I loved Hef's like comb over mullet that he had. Um, Sonic. Mate, yeah, Sonic. yeah. So um, yeah, mate. Early doors Mariners. That was that was my first sort of connection to um, to really being engaged. Uh, although I watched a bit of Premier League and stuff, that was my first um, real good taste of um, of professional football. When um, yeah, when the Mariners started. So Dwight York, are, are you a Mariners? Are you a Manchester fan? No, I'm a Spurs fan. Oh, that's what you are too. I'm yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I completely so. forgot that. So yeah, so that was um, yeah. Early doors Mariners was sort of my first um, first real big connection to to professional football and, and supporting. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I remember I was in I was out of high school when they started up, and I went to that first game against um, the Jets after Sydney Brisbane. Yeah, I just fell in love. Yeah, for me, I, I was just I'd never been to anything on the Central Coast with a crowd like that. Like to to go somewhere as a kid and just I don't know feel. Um, not only uh, at the same time sort of overwhelmed by the crowd, but so safe. Like, I think that's one thing that you've always sort of valued at Central Coast Stadium is although, you know, you could have 15, 
you know, 15, 17,000 people there. You feel so safe. Um, you compare that to when there's been an NRL game at Central Coast Stadium and, and you know, there doesn't need to be anywhere near as many people in the stadium for a football game. The What active support brings, what that um, coordination from uh, from stand to stand, I think, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, it really drew me in from the start and um, it's something that, um, yeah, that, that I'll never forget. Yeah, the atmosphere, the sense of belonging, all the elements that you... Um, that you need to just fall in love. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, yeah, for anyone who was there at the start, like I said, you, you can only hope that, um, you know, that um, we can bring back uh, those glory days and see the stadium as full as, full as, it, uh, as it was back then. Because it was easy, wasn't it? We were good. We expected to be, you know, the whipping boys of the competition. I can remember with my brother buying into being the whipping boys and being okay about that and having a chuckle. Then we turn up and actually, hang on, we're good. Not only that, we're following that through. We're good all season. So it was easy to fall in love with those first um, steps along the way, starting from the, the Oceania Club Championships, actually, where we were good then and we were good for a long time afterwards. And yeah. Then there's now. And I think, too, one of the things that sort of really um, connected with people on the Central Coast was the fact that, you know, when you're coming up against a team against the Central Coast, you're going to get a team that's going to work hard. It doesn't matter whether it's the best team on the paper or the, you know, the highest paid, but you know that regardless of who's on the pitch, you're going to get a good fight. And I think uh, any team on the Central Coast, whether it be football, whether it be the Coasties, whether it be, you know, the Crusaders basketball team that won on the weekend, they're going to give it 100%. I think that's something that the Central Coast has really been known for and uh, the Mariners have been at their best when they've had that in their squad. That was from a football idols question. So, <laughs> Right, um, how are you going with the outdoor season this year? Yeah, we're doing we're doing really well actually. Yeah, I'm playing um, for Berkeley Vale Men's All Age Ones, um, having a good time with my mates there. Where I think we're third or fourth, um, so we're definitely making the finals. Um, unfortunately, the flight that I've booked uh, is the day of the grand final. If we make the grand oh. final, so um, I'm in a bit of an interesting position there. So, um, but hopefully we can get through and, and make that. I can push my push my flight back. So. How and when did you get in, get involved in working with the Mariners? Um, yeah, maybe before working with the Mariners, um, you were a fan, obviously, and uh, and became a paid paid employee. What happened in between? Yeah, um, so yeah, like I said, been here from um, from day one from a fan point of view. Um, eventually found myself um, in uh, in as an intern. I remember I was working at the time. Uh, it was my first year of uni, and I was writing for a football website called The Football Sack that gave me um, my first opportunity into, into writing about football. Um, so that was, you know, my first experience in, um, in excuse me, in, um, yeah, in writing uh, and being involved in professional football. And then uh, from there, I remember I was actually went on a, on a trip to, to Europe with my mates and had, a, had this massive night out in Barcelona um, at the time. And I, I got back and for whatever reason, I like I checked my emails. I had an email from, um, from the former media manager, Ben O'Neill, who I'd worked with, uh, and he offered me the chance to come in and, uh, and start an internship. And I remember getting that email and, and being really excited. And uh, when I got back from, from my holiday, I came in, started as an intern, uh, in the in the year we won it in uh, the 2012-13 season and then from there it just sort of grew from strength to strength as I um, went from uh, in the championship season the internship um, sort of turned into casual part-time work uh, and then eventually a full-time role in the in the commercial department where I was doing some sponsorship stuff uh, and then eventually when Benny um, moved on and um, and betrayed us all and went to the Newcastle Jets um, the position was there for was offered to me and um, at the time I was yeah I was really overwhelmed but really excited and um, and that was in uh, in 2015 
uh, 2014, sorry. And, um, and yeah, my first order of business was to announce the retirement of John Hutchinson, um, which was really, uh, really high pressure, special moment for me because, again, he was an idol um, that I'd watched, uh, you know, growing up and someone that I, that I really um, aspired to, uh, you know, that I really liked watching play. And, um, yeah, straight away, the, the sort of the first thing I learnt was um, coming in as an intern is, you know, you, you sort of, at times you need to draw on your experiences as a fan to, to help the club, but there's definitely moments where you need to put that aside and, and be a professional and you, you sort of can't be caught up in, you know, the people you're surrounded in and you need to get your job done. So, um, yeah, from that moment, I was um, I was the the media manager and have been the media manager ever since. So, yeah, rode some some pretty high highs at the start and obviously um, some pretty bad lows. And I think for anyone who works in sport, um, they'll tell you that um, you know you you don't just leave your job at the uh, you know you don't just leave your job at work. You you know you you do read everything and you you do experience and and make the most of the highs but you do definitely feel the lows so um yeah it's been a, a really really um exciting journey and and one that um that I certainly will never and have never taken for granted so you mentioned there obviously you had some media experience at the the football sack before coming on board and then started as an intern was that was that the goal for you I guess um and and what drew you in um to becoming the media manager yeah well originally I went to uni wanted to be a journo uh, and one of the first things they tell you when you're studying communications is the fact that um it's really hard to make a living as a journalist that um the jobs are shrinking um and especially in the sports industry it's very competitive um I did some work experience at some newspapers um and it wasn't really for me I think for me I've always been a really positive person um, so for me to be a journalist um, you obviously there's a there's a responsibility there to write negative stories and for me I wanted to be really positive uh, I love the Mariners um, so when I started interning um, I was always good at English I always loved football um, and yeah it just sort of it just was a matter of being in the in the right place at the right time uh, an internship turned into a part-time job turned into a full-time job um, and even when I was interning I was just doing it because I loved it you know people said to me are you doing this to get a job and for me it was always the, my response was always the Mariners are way too small I'm never going to get a full-time job here I assumed that I would need to you know to go elsewhere and work somewhere in a communications industry whether it be in an insurance company or finance or whatever but um, but yeah um, I think one thing that I've learned in football is that um, you know people who work really hard can um, are rewarded and I feel like my hard work um, paid off because I was there because I loved it I enjoyed it and uh, and that eventually turned into a full-time position and a, and a dream job for me so um, yeah Every single minute um, I've enjoyed, whether it be success on the field, um, you know, or, or you know, or losing games. You you always learn from, as football players do, from wins and losses. And it's it's been, I've learned a lot about myself. And um, and yeah, it's been uh, it's been an experience that um, that I'll cherish for for the rest of my life. So you mentioned that you hate the negative spin that most media has, and that you always try to be positive. Well, you've just ruined my next question because it was, you know, current form of the Mariners. You know, it's hard work putting positive spin on some of those results is it hard or is it just something you do well I think it it's certainly hard but um man I could be I could be digging holes so it could be a lot harder um but for me not only do you need to be positive but you need to be honest you know and um when a team gets beat um yeah you do you do still try and you, you need to you need to focus on the positives but you need to be honest with yourself as well and you need to understand that um when fans are putting the boot into the club that that sometime the club's 
deserves to have the boot put into them. When the when the media put the boot into the club, sometimes you need to understand that there's a reason that they're doing that. As the media manager, you need to what you need to control is um, you need to control and and at the end of the day, a, a football or a sporting administrator's job is to make sure that the football club can be as successful as it can be. Uh, and you need to make sure that you do everything you can so that the players can succeed. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that media has a big influence on that, whether that be negative or positive, and I've felt that. Um, and it's about protecting players. It's about making sure that you know nothing is personal, and it, if it is, you need to address it. Um, and like you, like you said, there isn't, there isn't a positive in everything, uh, and it's about understanding that things will be negative. But... Um, and it does have an impact on your life. And there's been some media around at the moment with, you know, social media managers speaking out saying it can have an impact on their mental health, which it can. But what you do need to understand is you, you use that for positivity as well. Like you have some amazing moments. So you need, you need to understand like anything in life that um, the positive moments are going to be really good and the negative moments, uh, you, you really need to show a, a lot of resilience. And I think that that's one thing that I'll take into to any role. Like when I was away with the Matildas, um, you know, I was talking to them, you know, we're going through, um, you know, a little bit of, you know, when you're going through a negative moment, they're talking about, oh, you know, if we if we lose a game, should we be putting this out? And I said, look, if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that you can't use on-field performances to, to create any excuses for how good or bad you're doing your job. And there's one thing that we always talk about in there is that um, we obviously can't control 100% what's happens, what happens on the pitch, but we just need to do um, the best job that we can to support the players uh, and make sure that it has uh, a little of a negative impact as possible. So, yeah, you've just got to be honest and, and be positive. But, yeah, it is. It, there are certainly, you know, coming in on a Monday after a loss is, is not great. So, yeah, it can be very hard. I guess that's the kind of motto that we need to take on here at Coast Football Ramble. <clears throat> <laughs> well, the thing though, like people, people say to me, like, um, "Oh, yeah, you, you must have the the hardest job in the world or the hardest job in sport." And I'm like, um, again, I love my job, so I don't look at it that way. But people need to understand that, you know, they say to me, "Oh, you know." I feel sorry for you when I read these comments and it's like, well, I know that they're not having, I know that people aren't having a crack at me for one. So that was my next question. So personally, and I guess you can sort of speak sort of on behalf of the people in the office and the management, when you see that abuse and vitriol towards the club, does that get to you personally? Does it affect you? If people are calling me out and calling things that are within my control at, absolutely. Like there's things that you read that you take on board that you um, that you can learn from. Like if, um, you know, if things happen, you can you can read and go, okay, that's a fair call, you know, um, and you can learn from that. There's other, other things you can read and sometimes you really need to bite your tongue because what people on the, on the outside don't understand is they don't understand the constraints you're under. They don't understand the time that you have to do things and how quickly things happen. Um, and sometimes things um, that you would love to do are just impossible and you need to understand that, um, that you will be criticised. So there's certainly things that you read that um, that you do take to heart because if it's a if it's a criticism of your department and things that you're doing, then then of course it's only natural. And in my position particularly, everything that I do is in the public space. So everything that um, you know, 90% of what I do, people see and people um, people comment on whether it's negative or positive. So um, for sure, you do take things on board, and, and people in the office and in sport in general. Um, you know, you do need to be thick-skinned because you know that um, people have a general interest, which is the cool thing. You know, when the team's losing and you go to a barbecue, all people want to talk to you about is is how shit the team is. When the team's doing well, though, people will just want to talk to you about how good's this player, how good's that player. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to come to the game. Can I get a free ticket? Um, so, absolutely, it's um, like I said, like anything, you've got to take the good with the bad. But the short answer is that yeah, a hundred percent that 
things that people do say on social media have an impact on people's emotions that work in the club and that's because you know you, you love the club are you able because i know your job is probably 24 7 with the online stuff uh, do you have the chance to switch off not really no i mean if if things happen you need to be um you know you need to be ready to react if um you know if as an example if a if I was to get a, a call right now that, you know, we've had a player that's just, and this has never happened at the club, but if, you know, one of our players has just been involved in, a, in an altercation at a pub and, um, you know, and it's all been captured um, straight away, um, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, sorry, I'm having a beer, I can't do anything, or, um, oh, you know, sorry, no, it's, you know, I'll, I'll call you on Monday morning, it's a Saturday. So 100%, you need to know that, um, that you're almost always on call. You know, if we sign a player, you need to be ready to go. Or we'll sack um, a coach at 1am in the morning. Yeah, stupid like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, yeah, you are. You're 100% on call. You're, you're always, you know, given technology, you're always accessible. So um, for the good things and for the bad things. So, um, but again, like I said, it's when you love it, um, you know, when you love it, it's, um, you know, you, like you said, you, you live and you die by it. It's, yeah, it's, it's for me, that's the... It's, it's all about time management and I really enjoy the balance of, you know, yeah, you might work hard all weekend and, you know, you just need to know that you may need to take half a day on a Wednesday or a Thursday. So, um, and then on the Wednesday or Thursday, you try and take off, you'll get bombarded with calls again. So, uh, you're always going to be behind on that front. But yeah. um, when you love what you do again, you, you, just, you just get it done. So you're a pretty naturally positive person, I think, but um, uh, you, you speak of these things in, and rationalise the different angles and perspectives that you need to deal with on a day-to-day basis doing the work you do um, uh, with wisdom beyond your years, if you like. Um, who do you count as the main influences and the people who set you in that direction and, and um, really put you on a course to be able to withstand all of that and to make positive and, and uh, make a great career out of this? Thank you. Well, yeah, that's a really nice thing of you to say. Um, firstly, um, my parents, I think from a, from a work ethic point of view, um, I don't think, you know, probably in my whole schooling career and or more so working career, I could probably count on one hand the amount of sick days I've had because for them, you know, your, your head would need to be hanging off for you to be, you know, calling in sick. So they've always really instilled in me that you need to work hard, um, you know, and that's something that I've, that'll always stick with me. Um, from a work point of view, Ben O'Neill um, is is one of my biggest mentors. Uh, he's someone who um, who I learnt from, who's an incredibly hard worker. Who I, I would watch uh, as an intern or as a casual staff member and say, I never want that guy's job because the guy doesn't sleep. Like he, you know, his his work ethic. And I was lucky enough again to go away with him to the Women's World Cup, and you know, and he's just grown from strength to strength, as have the media managers here before him, funnily enough. Um, so, yeah, he's been a huge mentor for me. I've learned a lot from him. Um, and as well to Sean. Um, Sean's a guy who, um, who, to be honest, I reckon when he first came in here from the Wanderers, I'd only just started and I don't think that uh, – and I have never said this to him, but I don't think that um, he thought I was up for it. I think that his first impression of me would have been that I was inexperienced, that I wasn't ready for the job, which was probably true at the point. Um, so for me, a big a big part of what I wanted to do was earn his respect. I knew that he'd been at the Panthers, the Rabbitohs and the Wanderers, um, so I really wanted to earn his respect. And um, I don't know, he'll probably tell you that I haven't, so um, you can you can ask him that. But, um, but yeah, and again, working with him in all seriousness um, – of he's become a close mate of mine, as did um, as did Ben O'Neill. You know, you work with a lot of people in football, um, 
and there's only a very few people that you'd you'd probably call f- close friends, and those two two definitely are. Um, but you know what I learned from Sean, he went through some pretty tumultuous times at uh, at the Rabbitohs, and they came out the other end of that. He did the same thing. Uh, well, he was with the Wanderers um, at the height of Wonderland, and and when they were successful, um, likewise with the Panthers. And I've learned so much from him. Um, I've drawn from him his experience. But at the end of the day, the guy's just a top bloke. And for me, when you're working with someone that's a boss, that understands that you need to take a half a day here because you've been working your ass off all weekend and, and won't bat an eyelid but you know also enjoys a beer at the end of the day for me uh he's a he's a big role model so um yeah and from a footballing sense two guys who I learned a lot from uh were Monty and Hutch they're two guys again on the field worked hard um and um and two people that from footballers and from professionals that I certainly certainly learn a lot from so yeah What's the best interview you've ever conducted or been involved with, apart from this one? <laughs> Second to this one, um, best interview. Um, consistently, one of the best people for me to interview that I really enjoyed interviewing um, was Roy O'Donovan. Um, for me, um, and that's hard to say given that he went to the Jets in Brisbane, um, he, he, was, he, he always delivered something um, unexpected and, and pretty funny. Um, so he was one that um, that I always uh, enjoyed interviewing. Um, outside of that, um, one of the funnier ones was the period there where Hutch was just smashing Taylor Regan in every second interview he was doing. I don't know why he did, um, but he just kept targeting Taylor Regan, and I found that to be pretty funny. Um, I'd have to have a think about the the best ever interview, but um, yeah, there's been some. We've been really lucky here at the Mariners. Like another Anthony Golick's another one who. Like was just a just yeah, a top good. just a top guy. Um, again, Monty and Hutch. Yeah, I mentioned Hutch, but Monty is someone that um, you know for for the Northern Englishman. Um, you know, for me uh, is yeah always always gave a good interview. So um, yeah, off off the bat, I don't know I don't know who the who the best would be, but um, we've been really lucky. We've had so many good ones. Like I love listening to to Jordan Murray speak. I love listening to him to. Like there was this really cool story he told me when when we first signed him, we sent him down to a a shoot um, for the A League, and he was like, it was at this, um, it was at like Fox Sports, and he goes, oh, it was so good. Like I was, we just signed him. He goes, you know, like um, I'm sitting there next to Milos Ninkovic and uh, Diego Castro, and you know, usually the only reason I'd be in a building like this was to change one of their light bulbs, but you know, <laughs> today I'm here doing an interview. So like to hear a guy who was a sparky who starstruck, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, to me they're the they're the cool things, the you know the the little the people that really value the fact that they're a footballer. Yeah, Jordan Murray's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, someone so, with love for the game. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. That that re- that understand that it could be taken away from them like that. Uh, you know, there's so many people in our game that. Um, that have been a professional footballer since they were maybe 15 or 16 and, you know, they, they deliver the same answers and they, you know, it's it's all the same. Whereas, like, when you get that little diamond in the rough, like a Jordan Murray um, that, you know, that that just, um, you know, when someone asks me about Usain Bolt, he goes, oh, yeah, Usain Bolt, he's just a top bloke. You know, like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think people really, Ziggy's another one. Ziggy I could listen and speak to for days. Pete um, interviewed him on the live stream the other week and, yeah, those guys for me, like that's what the game's about. The game's about the people that that have the stories, that have the personality, that yeah, yeah a bit outside the box. So when we've had plenty, which we've been very lucky. Yeah, when we do interviews on here, we try to we know that we're going to get we know what our answers we're going to get with each footballer. So which is why we throw them the curveball questions to start with. 
and um, then that we find you know looses them up a bit, and you get a better story out of them. But I'm finding it is more and more. It's it's harder to get you know good answers out of them because they just copy paste basically. Who's been your favourite that favourite interview that you guys have done? Golic was good, and Aidan O'Neill last year was quite funny. He was sucking on a banana. What was it? Milkshake. Thick, milkshake. I think it was a lime shake. milkshake, I remember, if lime. I remember correctly. Was it? Maybe. I remember him smashing Piercy, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that was good. The worst one was um, Bahaja. Bahaja? Yeah. Yeah, he's probably one of my worst as well, actually. First time I interviewed him. Mate, he's gotten a lot better. Um, but, yeah, he was, mate, coming through the ranks. He um, It was like two or three word answers. It was like getting blood out of a stone, yeah. chatting to Trenners. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else that's topped. Um, Who's been the O'Neill best coach you've interviewed? When Ocon looked me in the eyes and said we need to do plan A better, I nearly lost my shit. Yeah. I keep a straight face. I think so did Mike Charles. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Wormsley was good fun. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he played along and um, I think it was plans for him and Sean to interview us at the end of the season. That mm-hmm. never came to fruition. Yeah, Wormsley was a good guy, but... Um, yeah, he, he it was good talking tactics to him because he would, you know, do that, whereas the other coaches are much more cagey. Uh, we've not spoken to Stadjic yet, so, you know, see how we go with him. Mm. Another one of the like the, the ones I was talking about today, like one of the lines that will always stick with me was when I was interviewing Josh Nisbet after he signed and he told the story about, you know, he was working at Woolies and he got, had to go out the back to take his call, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about his, all his Woolies stuff and I just said to him, I was like, oh, now that you've signed a professional contract, are you going to quit Woolies? And he was really serious and he goes, oh, look, like I don't want to leave him in the lurch, so I'll probably keep doing a couple of shifts to cover him. And like, and that's the thing, like people like people from the outside, some of some people would think that you sign a professional contract and you're a millionaire and you don't have to do yeah. anything, um, but that's far from the truth. You know, minimum these guys, wage. Yeah, minimum survive. wage. So this guy's like just worried about, as we all probably would be, you know, I don't want to leave my old job in the lurch. He's now a professional footballer. Yeah. And that just shows fans for me that these people are so related. They're, they're, um, you know, they're just normal people, you know. So, and I, I love when you get that sense from a footballer because, you know, AFL players and NRL players and some A League players are so media trained that you get the same answers every single time. Um, for me, yeah, they need to they need to show a bit of personality. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? Yeah, the old credit to the boys. Game of two halves. <laughs> yeah. Take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So football yeah, was a really winner. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Had to listen to plenty of those. Uh, well, you're the last in a long line of successful media managers. We've had uh, Ben Coonan, who went on to work with um, FFA, didn't he? And mm-hmm. um, Glenn Lauder, who's now everywhere. Everything. Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for being the other night for the Leeds United Wanderers game. He's he also on, working for ABC. Yeah, he was on ABC Radio the other day. Yeah, I actually on. heard him uh, in my ear holes uh, doing a <laughs> Triple J news broadcast yeah, the other so day. Yeah. The new Eddie McGuire. It's <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Um, and someone else can't. Benny O'Neill. Ben O'Neill, and who else do we have there? Did uh, Brett Taylor do it at first stage? Ivan Spurds. No, Ivan was membership. W- did he do communication in the first or the second? No, that was Ivan. Was I didn't know that though. It was Ben Coonan. Wasn't uh, Ned Negus for a while? No, he did. <laughs> no commercial. <laughs> he wasn't commercial. Yet. And there was a transition period from Glenn Lauder to Benny, where a guy by the name of Rob Brooks did it for. I think it was just a little bit um, for a, for a few weeks. He came from the Jets and covered just before Benny, but I think otherwise that's it. Yeah. Favorite fan moment for as a fan as me as a fan. Both. 
both. Um, Interaction or yourself? Um, my, um, as a fan and media manager, um, one moment that always sticks... Oh, there's, there's two moments, actually. Um, when Hutch played his final game and he finished... I think he spent about two hours doing the rounds at Central Coast Stadium saying goodbye to everyone. So I think it was about 10 to 12 at night because it was the late game we played the Wanderers. Um, and uh, and I walked down the tunnel with him. I was the last person to walk down the tunnel with him. Uh, and that just happened because I needed to get him for an interview or something and I was just taking photos of him or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just sort of had my had our arm around each other walking down the tunnel. And for him, that was the last time for him as a player to walk down that tunnel at Central Coast Stadium and he was one of my favourite players. So, um, yeah, and the, the week leading into it, like the interviews I did with him, like we gave, like we gave each other so much stick and we still do. Um, so to be involved in that was a, was a really proud moment. Um, before, when I was interning um, at the football sack, again, I've got that connection with Matt Simon. So uh, the game that he uh, against Melbourne Victory where he scored two goals before he went to Korea, um, he, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good send-off we gave him. There was a good crowd there. Um, and I was sitting in a press conference and he sort of walked to the back of the press conference before he left and gave me a big hug and said goodbye. And everyone sort of not knowing who I was sort of looked at me and go, who's this, you know, work experience kid in the back? Um, so yeah, for me, that was really cool. Um, and as a fan, um, the best, I was an intern, but on the day I wasn't working, I was a fan. Uh, the best day of my life in a sporting situation was, um, was the day we won it. Like the whole day I've never been, um, so confident in a team winning a game of football yet. So nervous. Um, I don't think it was nerves actually. I think it was just excitement, like going the, going to the pub that morning, um, you know, going to the game with all my mates, all people who, you know, weren't necessarily Mariners fans, but they're on the bandwagon and showing them that we could do it, sticking it to the Wanderers. Um, one of the, the the guys I saw at full time, I'll never forget, was Mila Stajowski. Um, you know, being involved with guys like that. Um, that day we won it um, was just being back here at Gosford. Um, it's just um, it just fills you with so much positivity that you know that's what it can do for the Central Coast. Seeing what else on the coast could bring Gosford to life like that. They're talking about injecting millions of dollars and doing this and doing that. The guys, you know, they won a football game and look what it did. And everyone knows it wasn't just that football game, but to come back to Gosford, to see what they did in Suwon just after that, um, for me, that typifies the Central Coast. And that, for me, as a sporting fan, um, was my is my fondest memory by a country mile. So you sort of mentioned it briefly, um, your experience at the Women's World Cup with the Matildas. So how did that come about and how, what was the experience like? Yeah, I think when you were talking before about successful media managers that have been here in the past, I think one thing that sort of sets the Mariners apart from the other clubs is the amount of experience you get. You're, uh, you know, you're not only, um, you know, across all of the digital platforms, you're editing videos, you're shooting video, you're taking photos, you're... You're dealing on messaging with the with the head coach directly with the players. You're working with the CEO on uh, on strategic comms. So you're literally doing everything that a, a media manager would do, that a video person would do, that a social content producer would do. So the job of an A-League club that would have four or five people, as an example, has one here. So um, I think the fact that when you're going away, um, when the FFA or someone like that is looking for someone that can go away and add value in a lot of spaces, you need to, when you're traveling with an national team you know we're working with a sporting team you need to have a bit of a sniff for when to be in the room when not to be in the room where to be where not to be when to talk to the coach when not to so I think they needed someone they needed someone to come in um, straight away to get the job done to work hard 
Um, and they sort of saw me as a bit of a safe option to know that I could go in, I could fill the gaps, I could do what they needed to do, and um, hopefully I did that. But um, but yeah, that came as it came about as I've, I've I've done some work with FFA in the past. I've obviously worked closely with Benny. They knew what I could do, um, and I went in and did it. And it's a um, yeah again once in a lifetime, or hopefully not a once in a lifetime opportunity, but dream come true going to Women's World Cup. Um, yeah, so I think just a matter of, again hard work and um, and the Mariners setting me up for. Uh, having good experience yeah so we're going to talk soon probably about um, what's happening for you in the near future but um, what what would you say to an aspiring um, sports uh, communications person uh, what are the three things that they should do to really um, push through that kind of career yeah I would say that the the most important thing during your studies is get as as much experience as possible um, you know, when you're going through your degree is, uh, is something that you need, but it, at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper in and amongst the, the tens of thousands of millions of people that want that job. So you need hundred percent, you need experience. Um, the second thing would be just, yeah, be prepared that once you, uh, once you graduate that, um, that a job's not just going to fall in your lap. You need to make rejection your best friend. You need to just keep keep scrapping and, and, and keep putting your foot forward. You're going to have to work for free. People who say that um, that internships are, you know, that they are, you know, that they take people for advantage and things like that. Everyone in that office and anyone in sport, uh, I would say, ninety percent of people did some sort of internship. And and when you're in a busy environment like a sporting environment, and you need to find someone quickly there's a good chance that they're going to be within your network and they're going to be someone who's interned or you know so yeah you're going to need to work for free um and i would say that to know that um you're going to have to work for when you do get a job that the the pay is not going to be great at all you need to 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 understand the fact that you're not going to go in and earn big money to know that you need to you need to start from the bottom you're going to be when you get a job um it's only the start of the hard work you're just going to really need to to show your worth because um, if you don't want to do it, like I said, there's there's that many other people that would give their arm to do it. So, um, yeah, they're probably the three key things that I would advise anyone. And it's not it's not glamorous, you know. You you really do work hard, but for every bit of hard work you do, it's it's so rewarding. There's nothing for me better. For me, I was never going to be good enough to be a professional sportsman. Um, and the next best thing is to being involved in a team is is working as an administrator. So, yeah, I'm super grateful for for all the memories that it's created for me and and some of my closest friends. So, yeah. And then on to what you're on to next. So, <laughs> Sean's so, already mentioned it. Yeah, so I've um, I've been accepted into a program with FIFA called the the FIFA Master Program, um, and thankfully, actually, um, I was have uh, been accepted for one of the first ever scholarships. Um, it's being funded by the Asian Football Confederation, so uh, the AFC uh, are funding me to go and do this 12 month program with FIFA. So. Um, I spend three months in the UK, three months in Milan, and then five months in Switzerland, and then um, that's basically t- you know 12 months or you know the best part of 10 months of best practice of running a football club. So I'll spend time. Obviously, media is my area of expertise, but I'll be spending time in different parts of the football club. So HR, finance, events, operations, um, and then through. So it's learning how to run a football club. I'll be spending time at clubs like Juventus into Milan um, and, and places like that to, to understand what best practice is. And then at, in my instance, at the end of my time in Europe, I'll either stay in Europe and work in Europe or I'll, um, I've got a six-month contract with uh, with the AFC in Kuala Lumpur at the end of that. So, um, so yeah, there's um, it's a bit of a um, bit of an unknown as to sort of what's going to happen over the next two years, but it's all very, very exciting. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, me and the... 
me and my my new wife. Um, do you call it? A, do you call her a new wife? What did, uh, my my <laughs> only, wife. Only if, only if you had an old wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my only wife. Um, so we're both we've both really been really keen to move overseas. Uh, this opportunity came up, so we're both we're both born and raised on the coast. We love travelling, so it's a uh, yeah good opportunity for us both to to get away for a bit and um, and experience life outside the coast. From a humble intern to the uh, the streets of Milan and, and the UK, hey mate, that's incredible! Wow, yeah. absolutely. And um, personally, I'm stoked for you. Couldn't happen to a better bloke. And um, for someone who loves a game, absolutely deserve it, mate. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. And um, and I just yeah, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, when I talk about um, you know a group We've been of people, a thorn in your side for many <laughs> no, years. No, no. And I hope that I never gave that impression because um, you know, as I said. When the club needs to be kicked, the club needs to be kicked. But when you know the club needs to be advocated, the club needs to be advocated. And you guys are are almost the perfect. Both. Yeah, you guys are almost <laughs> the perfect cross section of that. I know that I can almost like go back and review my week via your show, and you're gonna highlight the good stuff, and you're gonna highlight the the shit stuff. And you know, it's a good barometer to know where the club's at. To to you know, for me personally, I listen to it and I go, it's it's a good cross section of what people are thinking. Um, to go and see the comments and the questions that people want to ask, it's a good it's a good barometer of what people are thinking. And you know, it, it can it can form it can form what the club does. You know, channels like this, um, you know, are a, not only a good way to to talk more long form about what the club's doing, but to understand um, what the fans are, are thinking. So now I can't thank you guys enough for, for everything that, that you've done for the club. And for me personally, you've always been so good to work with. And um, and yeah, no, it's, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. And thank you for everything you've done for us. I appreciate it. That's a okay. big love. No, it's been We're going to hug mate. after this. No, but it's, big, big <laughs> it's been incredible. I don't know how we would have actually done some of the stuff that we have done over the last two or three years without... Well, talk shit. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but we actually had some substance to that, and primarily the reason for having that substance is that we had the availability of people that we could interview, whether it was coaches or employees or players, and there's a long list, and pretty much all of those came via um, Tyson being kind enough to connect us and to trust us and to give us that opportunity, so... Um, so, yeah, I don't know how we're going to actually replace that particular aspect of um, getting in insight into what's going on in the club. But, yeah, we really couldn't thank you enough. No, that, it's sure. one of those, mate, that's, well, firstly, it's my job. But secondly, um, it's, um, it's one of those things where, you know, as I said before, um, you know, one thing that one of my biggest gripes when I read things that, that makes me personally um, uh, that, that gets under my skin is when I see if a fan says that the club, you know, isn't telling the fans stuff or it's, you know, it's... Um, dishonest or keeping things back um, one of my big mantras that I've always personally tried to make sure of is regardless of what we do that yeah we are fan first and we do you know we do we are as transparent as a football club as you can be there's obviously things that you just can't talk about when it comes to you know I think you overshare yeah <laughs> if you compare it to football clubs in the world and mm. even in the A-League you know Fans don't oh, need really to know lucky. everything. We've been really lucky. Oh, we, know, yeah. we, we all know how accessible people like Sean and, and yourself are. You know, the club's only ever a phone call or an email away. And I know that you guys don't hide anything. Yeah. So. And Sean's always open to people discussing things in person with him because I know I've seen it personally. He gets smashed a lot online and he's always saying, well... You can say it to my face if you want. I'm happy to meet with you, and obviously not a lot of people do. But yeah, we'll just and information leaks anyway. So and, like and, yeah, and people <laughs> and people in sporting clubs everywhere say that, but 
you know, we we say it with confidence and with substance in the way that, and that's the and that's the thing in with this club with such a small community. There's a good chance that if someone's smashing you online, that you've met them before or you know who they are. And um, and that's my biggest gripe is that if you've got something to say, the, the club is that accessible. Come up to level three here at Tuggera and you can talk to anyone you want in the office. And and you guys have all done it. Um, come in and come in and have a yarn or ask a question because yeah, like I said, that, and that's the thing. I've enjoyed how accessible I've been to to people that I've never met before um, that are just Mariners fans and know that if they have a question, they can ask me. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. I'll be as honest as I can be when I can be, and as will every everyone in the club. And you know, with you know, with with a club like ours, you kind of need to be. But yeah, like you said, um, sort of nothing's um, nothing's ever hidden. It's just there's just some things you can't talk about, and that's the reality of um, of a professional environment, whether it's football or not. There's some things you just can't discuss. So, like the new signing, what what new signing? <laughs> Tyson has probably the I'm not sure if it's the best or worst poker face in the game. No fox given. <laughs> I just want to say personally, like um, I'm sure the other guys are, would agree with me. Like, thanks a lot for helping us because the reason why we're allowed to like get players onto the show is because of Tyson helping us out, and that's a big part of the show is getting the players on, getting to be on the podcast, and you know, pretty much like chat directly to the fans. So, uh, thanks a lot for that. We appreciate that. It's because it's a big part of the show, getting a player on, getting an interview with with anybody. Yeah, is, and it's always got something to do with Tyson helping us out, so we appreciate it. No, thank you, mate. And the, the one thing that I'll tell you guys is whenever I'm prepping a, a player to do this interview, I ask them, I always say to them, like, this is one you can have some fun with. Like, it's like, there's, there's interviews that I line up for players that I just, I'm not looking forward to listening to the interview and... I'm, I almost have to apologise before they do it because I know how bad it's going to be, but we have to do it. Um, whereas this one, I'm always like, yeah, this one will be a bit longer, but um, but it, you'll have some fun with it. And I'll, I'll say like just, uh, and and they do. You hear them when they talk to you guys that in, in the in the way that it's carried out, and that's and that's what fans want to hear. Fans want to hear. It's not stuff in this long form that we can necessarily do on our cha- our official channels, but that's the value of uh, of stuff that's created by the fans. Is you obviously know the club inside and out, but they can actually feel like they can open up a bit and have a bit of fun. Like the the chat you guys did with Golic, like it was so in depth. Um, you walk away from that feeling like you know the guy, and that's what and that's what these platforms for all, are all about. So that's why, yeah, I really enjoy um, helping you guys wherever I could. Yeah. Have you got any feedback about from players about you know this interview, saying if they enjoy if they've enjoyed it or? Oh, whenever any... whenever I ask them, they always just uh, the the foreign ones. I always need to Can't... explain like what, <laughs> what 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 scrunch and fold is, and, and and let them know that they ask everyone that they just don't want to know how you wipe your ass. Like that's. <laughs> That's what they ask everyone, um, <laughs> and then I also need legitimate questions. What, what? And I always need to remind them that if you don't use source, you cannot say you don't use source because Master Foods are a major sponsor of ours. So <laughs> that is very important. But um, the feedback is always that they enjoy it. It's a good time, and I always always make sure that they're in a in an environment where they know that they're going to be on the phone for ten fifteen rather than two or three minutes, and just to be somewhere where you're comfortable and can enjoy a chat. Like Aiden O'Neill was. Like Aiden O'Neill walking down the street checking a milkshake. Yeah. There's a couple of venues that were done that I think, oh, I thought oh, this would be 15 minutes and then an hour passes and we're like, what's going on here? Like This one's up to 40 plus minutes, so. You can switch me off. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> again, thank you for everything you've done for the show. We really do appreciate it and congratulations on your scholarship and uh, moving into AFC and FIFA, and we wish you all the best. 
Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it's taken you a few years to get me on, but I'm glad I could finally have a crack. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And he came on when he's leaving. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you, and uh, I love you too. Love, love you. you. Bye. Love you. Love you. Just one last thing before we go. We've got two games in Tasmania coming up. South Hobart set to host the Mariners this preseason for two games. First up, the Tasmanian team on Saturday, uh, on Sunday the 8th of September. And the second one is Tuesday the 10th of September. Um, call Dan. They might be putting on a bus. So if you get in contact with him, you get details. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We're going to hope to bring you... Um, weekly or fortnightly episodes this season and we're really looking forward to it and we're glad to have you listeners with us thanks for all the support guys really appreciate it you know getting all the love for people that were excited to see us back so cheers and thanks a lot looking forward to getting some uh, better fuel this year so that we can actually have something entertaining and enjoyable to get through so um, stick with us hopefully watch this space and um, hopefully we've got some good stuff coming up love you too love you bye All right, we're joined by, well, oh, Jesus, peaking. We're joined by Jesus. Sorry about that. Okay. Try and talk. Testing one, two. Testing, testing one, two. That's quiet. No, yeah. quiet. Keep going. Testing one, two. Testing, testing one, two. Testing, testing, testing. One, two. Testing, testing, testing. That's Audio all yeah. good. Yeah? yeah. Cool. All right. Infiltrating my ear holes. What's cool. doing? Penetrating my ear canal. Am I the only one that can't hear a thing? Hmm? Am I the only one that can't hear a thing? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Have you just switched me off early? Or? No. No, I can't hear you guys though. either, which is upsetting me. You can't hear us? No. How about now? Fix your headphones. Oh, hang on, my cord is being pulled. <laughs> it's alright, now my cord has been Testing, pulled. hearing aid, one, two, yeah. testing, <laughs> testing. It's alright, the old bloke <laughs> is with us now, although I seem to have a little bit of distortion there. Yeah, it's clipping yeah, it's a little bit. It's because you were yelling. Is that overdrive? Or? That's just because you were screaming into the microphone. Again. Doing your death metal impression. I just thought there was a cloud there for me to scream at. That's all, sorry. <laughs>